11, last and least. Look at what you've done to me, Alden said pitifully. It was evening, he was sitting in the cricket-filled lobby with Gorgon again, and he was picking chunks of tofu and pieces of lettuce out of a non-wrap that had been incorrectly labeled vegan at a food truck. He'd passed on the way over. Do you know why the bread at that place tastes fabulous? It's because it's grilled in butter. Do you know how I know that? It's because my brain now has an anti-joy narc living in it. How long do you think you will complain about this particular topic? The alien asked, licking coconut curry sauce from his own fingers. How long is the narc going to be in residence? Gorgon shrugged. Alden eyed him suspiciously. I'm not gonna grow horns, am I? Perhaps if you try very hard. Ha ha, you're a comedian now. You were telling me about your ambitions for your future, Gorgon reminded him. If you don't plan to continue, you can ride up and down the elevators again, preferably in silence. Alden slumped against the cushions of the sofa he'd chosen for himself tonight. So you're a bossy alien now that you've drunk my blood? That's just my luck. But Gorgon had a point. Alden had been whining for a while. He sighed. I've pretty much told you everything, though. Hannah was a big influence. What happened to my parents was, too. I think battlefield support is a seriously important and underrated job. Plus it's cool. As for more specific ambitions, I'd love to be a frost-focused adjuster or a trapmeister or maybe something that was heavy on the buff abilities. But it's all just idle wishes. Even if the system does choose me, it's not like I can pick exactly the class I want. The preaffixation trade is always an option, Gorgon said. No doubt it will be a necessary one in your case, since you seem to have an uncommon vision for yourself. I'm sure you've realized that most classes lean strongly toward improving an individual's personal offense or defense. Classes that do otherwise tend to be ill-suited to spontaneous combat. Alden felt his eyebrows lift. When the system called you, there was a grace period of around three months before you had to accept your class. During that window, a selectee could trade classes with another willing person of equal rank who was still in their own grace period. It was the only time class trades were allowed. That's all true, he said popping a cube of tofu into his mouth, but nobody trades good classes, do they? Isn't it just a bunch of unhappy people swapping the garbage classes around? That's what the internet says anyway. Gorgon made a humming sound. A reasonable percentage of new avowed make trades. It's skewed heavily toward the lower ranks, of course, but it's not rare. Wait, you can tell me stuff like that? Gorgon shrugged again. People who want to trade must do so with an approved witness at hand. I'm the witness for this region. It's my job to tell selectees this kind of thing. Oh, but no specific class advice? None beyond what should already be abundantly obvious. Alden grimaced. What do the avowed need a witness for anyway? What do you witness exactly? It's a safety measure to confirm that someone who agrees to a class trade isn't suffering from undue outside influence. 
Many selectees have superhuman parents with strong opinions about their offspring's class choice. Sometimes they attempt to manipulate the situation. You mean the parents of island-born supers? Their kid gets a class they don't like, and they, what? Threaten or mind-sway someone into trading with them? They attempt to, sometimes. It's not the norm, but it happens. Alden didn't doubt Gorgon, but he was surprised. He'd never heard so much as a whisper about something like that. You'd think it would be all over the place if heroes got caught bullying teenagers into giving up their powers for worse ones. What's the most traded class? Can you tell me that? It's brute, obviously. Oh, yeah, that is obvious. Sorry, numbers matter. Roughly 30% of those chosen by the system were a brute type, which was a much higher percentage than any other class. Of course it would also be the most traded one. Of the brute classes, longsights seem to be the least popular variety. They are often offered up for trade and rarely accepted, Gorgon added. Well, yeah, having a superpower that lets you see really far away isn't very special. Binoculars exist. Gorgon made the clicking sound Alden had decided meant he wanted to say something but couldn't. He waited for a minute, but the alien didn't offer up any further comments on the subject. Alden considered the different classes. Only an idiot would trade healer of body, and a person would have to be an absolute moron to trade the super rare healer of mind. Even Alden would shift all his future plans in a heartbeat if those were offered. Sure, you were no good in a fight, but you could still help loads of people, and the class perks were the best. Any healer above D-rank automatically received a passive that reduced the mental and physical effects of stress, and a blessing called Twice Life, which was exactly what it sounded like. A doubled lifespan, combined with the fact that you could fix any normal disease that might want to take you out, it was a first-class ticket to living for an extra century. And at the highest ranks it was even better. There was an S-rank healer of body on the island who'd been chosen in the first year the system went into effect. She was nearly 80, and she still looked 16. So yeah, nobody was going to put that class up for trade. Hannah said once that almost none of the people who grew up on Anisadora would take the Sway class if they could help it. She had a friend who wanted to trade hers when she got it. But it was S-rank and there was no one willing to trade for it at that level during her pre-affixation period. Gorgon nodded. That's true. Sway is the class that is the most frequently successfully traded. Almost always from the children of avowed to those who are not as intimately familiar with the class's drawbacks. Alden understood how that could happen. Being a mind controller sounded really impressive until you realized that you would get great power in exchange for life as a social pariah and near prisoner on the island. Someone who didn't have that realization in time would get suckered into it. Do people ever trade adjuster? Yes, but not often. The class is so flexible that it can be built in ways that would satisfy all but the pickiest user. What about unique classes? Ah, said Gorgon. Those are different. They can't be traded. Really? They're automatically affixed. 
No grace period. Seriously? Why? Gorgon shook his head. Alden sighed. Whoever bound you with such overkill restrictions should be kicked in the nads. That would be impossible for a number of reasons, said Gorgon. But I appreciate the sentiment. Hours later, after Alden had fallen asleep with one leg and an arm hanging off the side of the sofa, Gorgon turned out the last of the lobby lights. His eyes adjusted to the darkness in an instant, and he watched the boy silently. Human adolescence was such a foolish, vulnerable phase of existence. An extended period of childish expectations warring against adult realities. It was beautiful and stupid, like so many other aspects of life on Earth. Gorgon hoped his actions hadn't ruined whatever the boy had left of his own beautiful, stupid youth. You have chosen at long last, a voice from the distant past whispered in his mind. I have not chosen, Gorgon replied tiredly in his own language. I have only done what little I can in a world where there are no choices left to me. The voice was the echo of someone who had never even imagined such a world, so it had no way of answering him with useful advice or words of comfort. But he found himself hoping for some anyway. Teach him well, the echo said sagely. Gorgon sighed, a human habit he enjoyed mimicking on occasion, and rubbed at his manacles. He'd been pushing at the limits of his bindings in more ways than Alden knew, and they'd burned more in the past couple of weeks than they had in decades. I can't teach him at all. And if I could, he couldn't use my teachings. Our ways have disappeared, and there's no point in passing them on to a human. His world has its own problems. Those will be his to face. Our world's troubles will be no one's. Here, too, was something the Echo could not comprehend. That the whole of the universe it had known might pass from existence, that Gorgon might be utterly and truly alone. That a successor's purpose could be his own and not the purpose that had been the very center of every other chosen one's life. Now is the time to be fearless and accept the blessing of the devouring with humility as your predecessors did before you. No, Gorgon whispered into the quiet lobby. No, I won't be doing that. I'm sorry to disappoint you, my teacher. I am full of fear and unwilling to end. Not yet. Not until my work is finished. Our work is done when our successors are chosen, the Echo said. So it has always been. My work now is different than any you've known before, Gorgon replied. My current work is revenge. I have not heard of this work. Perhaps it was only Gorgon's imagination, but the echo sounded concerned. I know, my teacher. Don't worry. It's not so far away from purging an infection or correcting an imbalance. It's just taking me a long time. If the price has been paid, the work must be completed. The echo sounded more confident now, no matter how long it takes. Oh, the price was paid, Gorgon muttered. It was paid and paid again by those who could not refuse to pay it. Beyond the cold glass, the sun was rising. It was a breathtaking sight on this planet. Such a near, warm star. How you would weep to see me here, he whispered. The last and least of us, chained up in a foreign paradise while our home lies dead beyond the gates of space and time. 
The echo had no response to that, which was something of a relief. Gorgon headed back to his computer and clicked away from the security feed. His custom system access sigil was right in the center of the desktop, like always. He clicked it, and lines of teeth-grindingly familiar text appeared on the screen. Honorable guest number 231, name unknown, would you like to accept a contract of service in exchange for great power, future opportunity, and significant personal freedom? No, Gorgon said. He liked to pretend that not cursing at his captors every time he was asked this question would bother them more in the long run. Honorable guest number 231, thank you for your consideration. Logging you in as prisoner number 12005794, preferred ID, Gorgon. How may I assist you in the completion of your duties today, Gorgon? Access all current prefixation trade requests. Access granted. Gorgon scrolled down the familiar list with a great deal more interest than usual. A lot of it was the normal dross. The boy was right to an extent. Even foolish teenagers rarely traded the obviously superior class assignments. But after decades of use, humans had barely scratched the surface of the system. They had such a poor understanding of all but the most simple classes. Gorgon knew, though he couldn't explain it clearly to the boy, that there was no such thing as a weak class. Situationally weak, yes. Long sights really were useless for the first few years on Earth. But the system was designed from the ground up to create a theoretically balanced power trade between the avowed and the Artanans who would summon them for various quests. The trick was in knowing how to use a class properly to take advantage of that. Of course, the Artanans preferred not to help Earth along on that front. All the better for them to technically gift other planets every bit of the power they promised while offering meager or misleading instructions. When it came to its usage, it kept the lower species in line. Gorgon's nostrils flared as he stared at the list in front of him. Even he didn't have a perfect understanding of what all the various classes did. But the battlefield support role the boy desired should be manageable with a trade into. Yes, there it was. And it was gone just as quickly. Ah, oh, frustrating. The class Gorgon had in mind was seen as an extremely undesirable one for those who dreamed of being superheroes, and at the same time, it was a class certain other people longed for. In fact, some newly chosen avowed waded through their entire grace periods trying to acquire it. And it wasn't common. Less than 2% last time he'd checked. So it popped up at random intervals and was snapped up just as quickly, much like the Sway class. How was he supposed to point the boy toward it in the event that it became necessary? He couldn't just tell him to choose it. Or maybe he could, but he wasn't willing to pay the price for doing so. He liked Alden, but not enough to die for him. The magic that bound him worked on a very clever spell framework that had a limited ability to read his true intentions. So it was more flexible than it might have been, but it was also better able to identify infractions on his part. Well, he had nothing better to do with his time right now. He would work on the problem. Scheming was as good a cure for boredom as any other. 
12, 1 o'clock on a Thursday. It was supposed to happen differently. It definitely would have if Alden's life were an action movie or even a comedy. If the universe were a writer, there would have been some dramatic build-up. Some tension that needed breaking. Maybe even a small disaster that could only be overcome by the dais popping out of the machina. But it didn't go like that. Instead, it was one o'clock on a Thursday. And Alden had just bombed a quiz on Hamlet because he'd somehow failed to see a reading assignment that had, apparently, been posted on the board all week. It was out of character for him. Hannah's funeral was in two days. And while he was a long way from bursting into tears at random intervals like he had in the months after his parents were killed, he was having a pretty hard time focusing his attention on the everyday stuff. His AP literature teacher looked like she wanted to have a worried conversation with him, so he made a quick excuse, grabbed his bag, and dashed across the hall to the bathroom. There, while he stared at some of his schoolmates' artistic graffiti and did what people do in bathrooms, he suddenly felt a jolt. It was a brief, painless full-body spasm, like a hypnic jerk. Startled, he grabbed onto the cracked plastic top of the toilet paper dispenser with a steadying hand. But the physical sensation was already over. An instant later, a voice spoke quietly in his ears. Hello, Alden, said the system. In 1963, the people of Earth accepted an infusion of magic and technology from the Artenon Triplanetary Government, thereby becoming an official resource state with all the accompanying rights, privileges, and responsibilities afforded by that designation. Oh, Alden thought, maybe it was because of his surroundings, or maybe it was because he'd been forewarned. But he felt less afraid than he would have expected. This is the speech. It's really happening to me. For some reason, the system almost always delivered the selection speech out loud this way, not with the visual interfaces it seemed to prefer for most communication. The working theory was that it was analyzing you and making tweaks to your mind or soul based on your reactions to what it said, before it fully completed its merge. As part of this eternal alliance, the system continued in a volume that was barely above a murmur, Earth is required to deliver certain high-value sentient individuals into contractual servitude with Artona. You have been selected for this honor. Though you may refuse to sign your planet's version of the interdimensional warrior's contract out of personal principle, you may not refuse to serve. I didn't expect it to happen like this. Today. Now. Here. A mote of mixed emotion, equal parts excitement and anxiety, made Alden grip the toilet paper dispenser a little tighter. He stared at a marker drawing of an oddly shaped cactus that had definitely started its life as something less innocent, before it was repaired by a more tasteful artist. The system went on. Upon signing, you will become one of your planets avowed. As a signing bonus, you will receive an additional reward appropriate to your class and rank. Refusal to sign will result in the loss of this bonus. Right. Carrot and stick together. Upon becoming one of the avowed, 
you will be subject to summons at any time and for any reason by members of Artona's wizarding classes. By triplanetary law, all avowed will be justly rewarded for any service rendered. Your rank has been determined by external factors. Your class has been randomly assigned based on the triplanetary government's current needs. You have 90 Earth days to sign your contract of your own free will. During that time, you may trade your class with equivalently ranked selectees from your own planet. Once affixed, your class assignment is immutable. For some reason, Alden found himself whispering the final few words along with the system. Welcome, Alden, and thank you for your future service. There were only a couple of heartbeats between the end of the speech and the moment when the system window suddenly appeared in front of Alden's wide eyes. But a couple of heartbeats were enough for an entire cascade of thoughts, hopes, worries, and wonderings to pass through his brain. This was it, right here and now. His life was taking a sharp turn in some new direction and he had almost no control over it at all. A single point of dark golden light appeared at the center of his vision and then it bloomed rapidly to overlay everything else. Breathing hard, Alden stared into his own future. Preaffixed selectee, Samuel Alden Thorne. Divergence rank, B. Assigned class, Meister of Cudgel. Samuel Alden Thorne, do you willingly accept your duties as one of Earth's avowed, thereby satisfying a portion of your world's debt to the Triplanets? Yes slash no. 2159H, 59M, 34S. Alden read it all. Then, he read it again. His brain must have short-circuited at some point, because he had to keep reading it before the simple words finally held some meaning. He watched the timer tick down and down, until the sound of someone peeing in the stall beside him made reality reassert itself. B-Rank. Meister of Cudgel. Okay. Now, what? How do I even turn this thing off? Alden wondered, staring at the words superimposed over his vision. Interested as he was in heroes, he'd never actually hit the level of obsession where one studied the layout of the system's display. He knew verbal commands were a thing. But the bell had just rung and the bathroom was filling with people. He didn't want to be overheard trying out different versions of system switch to invisible mode. It would cause an uproar. He tried a mental command, and when that didn't work, he looked for a button. He expected to find something like an X in one corner of the imaginary screen, so it took him a long while to realize that what he needed was a swiping gesture. An open-palmed one. Less cell phone, more window washer. That's about as subtle as a punch to the jaw, he thought as he finally managed to make it disappear. He frowned at the empty place where the display had been. He felt really human. Because he was. He hadn't clicked yes. So his new powers hadn't been affixed. I guess I'll go to my next class? It seemed like what he should do. He had 90 days. There was no need to rush into things. No need to panic. But as he stepped out of the restroom into the crowded hallway, Alden felt an odd sense of distance from everyone around him. He had 90 days. Only 90 days. And then he would probably never see any of these people again. 
I should tell Jeremy and Bo. After I've thought it through. Soon. He went to his locker and picked up the books for his next period. It was biology. There was an exam tomorrow. If I fail, it means nothing. The thought tumbled through his mind like a boulder, knocking pillars out of alignment as it went. Alden had always cared about his grades. Because they served a purpose. Only, now they didn't. Don't they only take D and F ranks at the public school in the Dakota Zone? So, that's not an option for me now even if I wanted it. And there are placement exams for schools on the island. Transcripts don't transfer over. He still headed toward the biology classroom, but when he reached it, his feet didn't stop. Barely aware of his surroundings, he walked through the lunchroom. The juniors and seniors were just finishing up. Maybe some of them wondered why he was there, or maybe they didn't notice. In either case, nobody stopped him. Alden's school was ostensibly big on security. Getting into or out of the building during the middle of the day was supposed to be a whole thing, with permission slips and ID checks and no child unaccounted for, ever. But when he reached the main office, the male guy was delivering heavy boxes, and the front doors were propped open by a dolly. Alden didn't even have to talk to anyone. He just walked right out, crossed the parking lot, and kept going. About half an hour into his impromptu hike, Alden had recovered enough of his senses to behave a little more normally. He texted Bo to explain that he was cutting class because he needed to clear his head. Bo would probably assume it was a Hannah thing. He wouldn't worry too much. Then, Alden summoned a rideshare. He really couldn't pass for 18, but the driver didn't comment on it. 25 minutes later, they were pulling up in front of the consulate. You into that alien stuff, the man asked as Alden got out of the car. Alden couldn't tell what the guy was getting at. It could have been a subtle dig at the Artinans and the people who were a little too worshipful of them. Like Alden's word chain teacher. Or maybe it was just an idle question. They have classes here, Alden said. You can get college credit for some of them. The man nodded as if that was a satisfying answer. You're also supposed to come here to register if you get powers. Ha, said the driver. Yeah, everyone knows that. When I tell my kid I drove someone over here, I'm gonna say you were a full-blown superhero. It'll make her day. Alden was tempted to tell him, but not quite enough to actually go through with it. Anyway, he thought as the car drove off, I'm not a superhero. Yet, I'm a B-ranked potential cudgelmeister. This is strange. I feel so strange. For some reason, the occasion was simultaneously more and less momentous than he'd imagined it would be. Maybe it was the B-ranking? Everyone dreamed of getting A or S and dreaded getting D or F. B was really good, top 15% of all superhumans actually, but it was a long way from being an easy road to achieving his dreams. If he messed up, if he made the wrong choices in the next 90 days, he might be giving up his current life in exchange for a very difficult one. Neither Alden's childhood dreams nor his adolescent fears had revolved around him having a rank that made him maybe employable. His brain was having a little trouble deciding whether it should be delighted with his new rank or disappointed in it. 
Or maybe it was the cudgel thing throwing his mood out of whack. It was just so random and unexpected. Alden had researched the word cudgel on the whole ride over, hoping it might have a secret alternate definition he didn't know about. But no, it was a club, which meant he was on the verge of becoming a weapon master for the least sophisticated weapon in existence. Unless there was a class specifically for people who liked to hit other people with rocks. I think I'll be a tiny bit disappointed when the hype fades, he decided. But the disappointment hadn't hit yet. Honestly, right now it was all kind of funny. He was excited, freaked out, and confused in equal measures. He'd been chosen. By the system. No matter what happened next, he was only one yes away from being a superhuman with all of the vast, mysterious, and frightening changes that entailed. Hi, I'm Super Alden. My special talent is heavy sticks. I'm like a caveman, but better. He snorted at himself and headed for the consulate's entrance. Seriously, though, a B-ranked Meister is right on the edge of usefulness for superhero work? That's encouraging. But Cudgel just won't do. The skill options will be ridiculously narrow. Alden had never actually heard of Meister of the Cudgel. Swordmasters were pretty common, though, and he knew how that went. You got skills and spells that made you good with swords. Period. There were hardly any choices offered to someone who'd been given a specific weapon class. He'd only read up on the S and A ranks, but for them at least. The first skill was almost always one that would prevent you from being easily disarmed. The second was your chance to select an offensive style you liked. The third would let you increase your primary or secondary class stat. There was slightly more room to be creative with the spells, but they were still all things that would buff your own weapon somehow. And the buffs were boring unless you were an S rank. You could make your sword sharper or harder or heavier or longer or more pointy. Cudgel was bound to be even worse. Alden could imagine himself in twenty years, heavily muscled but dead-eyed trying to hold down a job while he chose between stimulating options like a mega-dense club level 12 or even stronger biceps x14. Yeah, it's not for me. Jeremy would probably love it, though. For the humor factor, if nothing else. Hopefully, Gorgon was right about class trades not being limited to the worst of the worst options. 13. The B-Ranks when Alden stepped through the doors of the consulate, he was surprised to find the lobby wasn't empty. He'd expected it to be abandoned since the only weekday classes were in the evening. But there was a man sitting in Gorgon's favorite chair, taking advantage of the free Wi-Fi to play an MMORPG on his laptop. And there was a rowdy trio of two college-aged guys and a girl taking pictures with Gorgon in the background. They seemed to be trying to get some kind of humorous eek. A demon, shot, judging by the faces they kept making and all the weird angles they were going for. Gorgon's expression was peaceful, in a human way, which meant he was deliberately putting on a show so their pictures would be ruined. Assholes, thought Alden. He walked through the middle of the group and took a wide stance at the desk so that the alien would be mostly hidden from view. Hi, he said. Aren't you supposed to be in school? 
Gorgon's tone was mild. I heard you needed help, Alden whispered. So I ran right over to save you. Gorgon tilted his head. His black eyes were focused on the tray full of ballpoint pens by Alden's arm. You're not serious? Ah, uh, no. Alden was surprised. He'd thought it was obvious he was joking. Ah, uh, I thought not. But you haven't brought food with you today, which is out of the norm, so I wasn't sure. Right. No snacks. This was the first time he'd come to the consulate without any in ages. Sorry, he said. I was in a rush to get here because of that 70% probability thing. It happened. He didn't want to say it out loud in front of the gamer dude and the college jerks. I see. Gorgon's eyes met Alden's briefly then slid away. Let me turn off the Wi-Fi. At Alden's confused expression, he added, it's the fastest way to clear the lobby. Sure enough, five minutes later they were alone in the building. So, said Alden, tapping one of the pens nervously against the top of the desk, what usually happens now? Do I just say it? Are there forms to sign or something? Is confetti going to fall from the ceiling? I've asked for a confetti cannon, but it's never in the budget. Alden grinned at him. To answer your question more seriously, what usually happens now is that the selectee or avowed comes in with their family and friends. They reveal their status and declare their intent to lawfully register themselves as a superhuman. Gorgon paused. Sometimes, there are news crews in attendance. I congratulate the chosen individual and fill out the necessary paperwork with the United States government, or the Canadian one on occasion. If the selectee desires a class trade, they have to go through the trade process first. So no registering until after affixation? Correct, said Gorgon. Then he added, after the formalities are complete, I shake the avowed's hand. And I give them a free ballpoint pen. Well, I'd rather not have my Aunt Connie around for this. She'll cry a lot or cheer a lot, I'm not sure which, but it'll be awkward since I'm pretty mad at her right now. And I've already stolen eight or nine of your pens. Plus, I need to do the trade. Gorgon stood up from his chair and motioned for Alden to follow him. They headed for the elevators. I'm surprised, Gorgon said as the doors closed. This is sooner than I expected. Based on certain insights I had upon drinking your blood, I assumed you would be chosen in six to eight months. But I am not flawless. Have you perhaps received a high ranking? Alden shook his head. He was practically vibrating with energy. Not really. It's B. Cudgelmeister. Cudgel? Gorgon's voice was incredibly neutral now. Smooth as a sheet of glass. Alden assumed it was because they were in that dangerous territory where he had to avoid giving any useful information. That was fine. Alden felt like he could fill a canyon with his own thoughts, and now that they were alone, he could ramble to his heart's content. It's the worst. For what I want to do anyway. Meister could have been good, but not with a close combat weapon subtype. They're almost purely geared toward offense, and being a B-rank superhero who fights at close range is, no, for my taste. I'm not really into hitting things sort of hard and then dying to literally any villain that outranks me. 
being a B-rank who fought non-super crime would be way safer, but most countries had laws that prohibited the hiring of avowed for military and police forces. Because of the potential for abuse, the UN and the associated heroes of Earth had more or less banned the practice where they could. Anyway, I'm going to trade it for something better. I hope Alden trailed off as he realized the elevator was not going up. It was going down. Gorgon, does this building have a basement? Yes. Alden stared at the elevator panel. Where's the button? There isn't one. It's accessed through a system sigil. The lower levels are for official Artanen use only. I'm not Artanen. As a selectee, you are now Artanen property. It's close enough. Property? Well, technically. Maybe. But still. Alden gave him a look. I don't think you have to put it quite that way. It sounds horrible. I am merely stating a fact as clearly and succinctly as I am able to. I can't help how it sounds. Right, said Alden. But, just as an FYI, most people prefer to think of it as being drafted. And getting magic powers in exchange. That, no, never mind. The semantics are too fraught with human emotions for me to navigate. Let us just say that your status affords you new privileges and comes with proportional costs. That sounds way better. If you say so. Alden was disappointed when the elevator opened onto a perfectly normal-looking hallway, lined with perfectly normal-looking doors. The floor was beige, the walls were beige, and as if to add a hint of interest, the doors were a slightly darker shade of beige. Fluorescent lights buzzed overhead. Gorgon led him to a small, gray office that was nearly empty except for a table that seemed to have been carved out of a block of milky white crystal. There was a single metal folding chair beside it. Gorgon gestured to the chair, one of his golden bindings trailing through the air like a scarf as he did so, and Alden took it. The alien went to stand on the opposite side of the table. Before we begin, I will tell you exactly the same thing I tell every selectee who comes here without an entourage of civilian onlookers. It's a simple courtesy I would extend to all, but it tends to make your government officials whine when they catch wind of it. So it is reserved for the lonely few. Alden blinked. I thought you couldn't tell me anything really useful? Gorgon nodded. This is less a revelation and more a reminder of something you should already know. Which is this, even once your class is affixed, you don't actually have to register yourself as one of the avowed. Alden blinked. Beg pardon? Gorgon waved his hand dismissively. It's something that likely does not apply to you, considering what I know of your personal goals. But I have observed that young humans often barrel along the beaten path without pausing to consider other options. To be clear, registering new avowed with Earth governments is a service this consulate provides for the convenience of the avowed. I owe no loyalty to human presidents or kings. And the Artanen triplanets have no registration requirement because upon your selection by the system, all of your information was immediately made available to them anyway. I did know that, Alden realized with surprise. Sort of. 
Being chosen by the system meant his aunt was no longer his legal guardian, and he was no longer American. Upon registration, his citizenship would automatically be transferred to Anisadora Island. Ninety days after his selection day, he'd be required to leave the country. It was the same rules for virtually every other place in the world. But that was an Earth thing. The Artinans didn't care where Avowed lived. Alden could take up residence in the White House or on the Moon or in another dimension altogether. They could summon him from anywhere, as far as he knew, so it was all the same to them. Only, Gorgon, not registering would make me a criminal. Everywhere on this planet at least. It's pretty much step one in becoming a supervillain instead of a hero. Body Drainer was unregistered. He didn't say it, but the thought was at the forefront of his mind. The alien shook his head. I have met a small but not insignificant number of avowed who refuse to register. And most of them do so without becoming dangers to society. They live normal lives except for the occasional unavoidable Artanen summons. And in such cases, human governments are none the wiser or the worse for it. Alden frowned at him. Are you recommending that? It's not a recommendation. It's a reminder. One I feel the need to deliver when I am able to, given the prevalence of certain narratives about unregistered avowed. If you wanted to, you could graduate from high school with Bo and Jeremy. You could attend college. You could pursue any of thousands of different careers. And the Artinans would not regard you as a criminal at all. Alden's brain tripped around the idea, trying to figure out how to feel about it. But if someone found out... Ah, yes, said Gorgon. Secrecy would be paramount in such a situation. And a life in hiding is not good for one's nerves. I don't mean to confuse you, only to encourage you to consider your options. All of them. Before you make momentous and irrevocable decisions. Okay. Thanks. I'll, I will think about it. Maybe if I can't replace Cudgelmeister, it's a real option for me. But I do want to at least try for a better class first. And so I will introduce you to the preaffixation trading market. Gorgon placed one of his gray hands on top of the milky crystal table. He splayed his fingers, and a moment later, the table began to glow with a warm light. The Triplanetary Government of Artona assigns a wide variety of classes to Earth. The types of classes they choose to offer are largely based on which services they anticipate needing from their human summons. In the coming decades, I am not at liberty to disclose more than that about their thought process. But there is more to be disclosed? Gorgon ignored the question and continued on with his speech. Despite what you may have heard from more fancifully-minded people, the class you were assigned has absolutely nothing to do with your soul. You do not have a hidden power or personality trait that made the system gift you your Cudgelmeister class. It was merely the next B-ranked assignment on the system's distribution list at the moment your being reached the threshold for selection. Alden leaned back in the chair, and the metal creaked. That's a relief to hear even though I already know it. It does feel a little like I'm jinxing myself by wanting to trade classes. Gorgon sighed dramatically. 
I am aware that many humans feel that way about it. The number of young people who weep and pray over the decision here in these rooms, even after I tell them there's no need for such agony is distressing. So the Artanans really don't care at all if we trade classes around? They do not, provided trades only take place between equally ranked individuals. The 90-day grace period exists so that you can take advantage of the trading option. It is so that you might find a class that suits your tastes better, which will ultimately make you happier and more effective during your service. Sounds good to me. So how do I do it? You need to place your hand on the table and access the system. How? Gorgon's face twitched. You don't know how? It's only been an hour or so, and I was busy researching cudgels on the way over here, Alden said defensively. I didn't have time to research the system interface, too. You can choose your own verbal access phrase. Common English ones include online, call, and access. Even if you do not master the art of mental commands for every system function, most avowed find it easy enough to call the system in that fashion after a small amount of practice. You may also utilize a physical gesture. Then he added, I recommend assigning some hands-free ones in case you need to access the system when you are mentally exhausted, gagged, and physically bound. Ah, uh, how often does that happen? Gorgon didn't answer. Instead, he said, a pattern of eye movements or subtle muscle contractions is a good choice. Alden made a mental note to figure something like that out when he had a mirror handy so he could make sure he didn't look completely unhinged. When he rolled his eyes around and clenched various muscles. Access system, he said. The interface of golden light blossomed into view. It answered, he noted. I thought I might have to say, access interdimensional warrior's contract to make it work. The system is a semi-sentient spell, and it's extremely intelligent. It's aware of all its various names. You may have a harder time if you ever find yourself trying to access one of the sister systems on another planet, though. Again, how often does that happen? But Alden was soon distracted from worrying thoughts about lying bound and gagged on foreign planets. As soon as he placed his hand on the table across from Gorgon's, his interface lit up. Oh, neat. It's like a global auction house full of desperate people. There was even a button to sort by the trades that were ending soonest. Because they've got something awful and their 90-day timer is running out. The traders' locations were listed. They were teens from all over the world. But all of their offers were in perfect English, so the system must have been a great translator. And to Alden's shock, people were offering actual material wealth in addition to the classes they were trading. He hadn't thought that would be an option. Gorgon, this is nuts. Someone in Beijing is literally paying half a million dollars for a C-rank speedster brute to C-rank mind healer trade. Yes, that's been up for the full 90 days. The selectee obviously wants healer of mind badly, but even if one has been assigned in recent months, nobody is willing to trade it. There aren't any names, Alden noted. Just random ID numbers. 
By default, trades are private. Though in the case of more unusual classes, it soon becomes obvious who the involved parties were. In your case, I recommend not bothering to be overly secretive. You will note that there aren't as many selectees trading at your level. You may hide your identity, but the personal touch can make the difference when it comes to final decisions. Alden stared at the interface. He poked around until he had it sorted by rank. There were only a couple of dozen B-classes open to trading right now. How would I even give this the personal touch? The listings seem pretty basic. Choose someone as if you intend to trade with them. Make sure they do not have auto-trade selected. Um, what if they say yes? You can still refuse as long as it's not an auto-trade. Also, you can trade as many times as you like prior to the end of your 90 days. He paused. Obviously, you should not take something undesirable on a whim. Alden searched through the IDs. A few did have the auto-trade feature selected. Most of those had extremely specific and overpowered class types listed under their wanted a section. Alden assumed it was so that they wouldn't miss a perfect opportunity if it came along while they weren't paying attention. He scanned the listings until he found an interesting one. Available prefixation class trades? Rank B. ID, B74 location, Dakota Avowed Seclusion Zone, USA. Trading, Morph Brute. Wanted, Adjuster, All, Healer, All, Shaper of Life, Meister, Ranged Magic Weapons, Magic Tools, Uncommon Types, Rares. Notes, No More Percent 8 Asterisk Dollar Hashtag Brutes or Sways. Leave me alone, you asterisk and percent carrot at. Autotrade, N.O. Can I click on this morph? Alden asked, gesturing at the listing. It's a really useful class. It seems like they probably don't want close combat, but Cudgel Meister could be considered an uncommon Meister type, couldn't it? Alden, you do realize I can't see your system interface, don't you? Gorgon said. I only know you're referring to Select TB74 because I've read through the trade window myself recently. I'm an idiot. Sorry. Also, your memory is good. That selectee is particularly easy to recollect. They've been trading in person for roughly 16 hours each day for the past two months. In person? Auto trade is usually used when people are sleeping or otherwise engaged. B74 is rarely otherwise engaged. Introduce yourself to them. You'll see what I mean. Gorgon stepped into the corner of the room while Alden figured out how to initiate a trade with B-74. He had to swipe through several screens to set up his own trading profile first. Finally, he was given the identity B-13 and his own little place on the class trades list. ID, B-13 location, Artenen Consulate 4, USA. Trading, Meister of Cudgel. Wanted, Adjuster, All, Healer, All, Meister, Traps, Wands. Notes, Become a Master of the Cudgel. Hit bad guys with sticks. Autotrade, N.O. Alden looked over the listing and felt fairly satisfied with it. 
he would need to refresh his knowledge of some of the more obscure classes so that he could fill out his wanted a section better. He'd almost listed rares, like B-74, because the rare classes were all interesting just by virtue of being more mysterious. But the only ones he could think of off the top of his head were Rabbit, Taylor, and Mourner. And those were even worse for his needs than Cudgelmeister. Now that he had a profile, B-74's ID had been highlighted like a clickable link. He clicked. Initiate live trade negotiations with B-74? Yes slash no. Alden selected yes. B-74 has accepted your invitation. B-74 has been vouched for by an authorized witness. You have been vouched for by an authorized witness. Negotiations are approved. Keep one of your hands on the table or the connection will be cut off, Gorgon warned him. Alden scooted his chair closer to the glowing crystal table and pressed his right hand to it more firmly. A second later, he almost leaped out of his seat as a boy appeared from thin air, sitting in another metal folding chair on the other side of the table. Alden swore and leaned back in alarm. It wasn't just the other guy. A collection of junk had appeared on the other half of the table at the same time. As if it had been horizontally bisected, the pristinely empty table Alden was sitting at suddenly ended, and an identical table covered in chip bags, energy drink bottles, napkin wads, notebooks, uncapped pens, and highlighters began. Sitting at the filthy table, with a serious case of bedhead and a really dense five o'clock shadow for a guy who must have been around Alden's age, B-74 looked pissed. He slapped the table and stood, glaring at Alden. Listen up, you newbie dumbass, he snapped. I'm only accepting your negotiation request so that you won't keep bothering me. I'm not trading more for an overpowered baseball bat. In case it's not obvious from my listing, I want good shit. Not weird shit. This is B-Rank. A chance at a great trade could happen while I'm dealing with losers like you. I have been pissing in bottles for the past two months so that I don't have to take bathroom breaks. I don't have time to be all buddy-buddy with you. Don't contact me again unless you manage to get something on my wanted list. Before Alden could even apologize, B-74 lifted both of his hands from the table and he disappeared. For a full minute, Alden just stared at the spot where the other boy had vanished. Then he took a deep breath. Gorgon, people can't physically attack me through the magic table, can they? No, Gorgon said, but that would add zest to my job. 14. Class Trader, Part 1 Class Trader, Part 1 Alden spent the entire afternoon sitting in the trading room. Gorgon stuck around for the first hour or so, answering what questions he was allowed to. But after that, he headed back upstairs. As long as Alden didn't leave the room, the system still considered him to have been safely vouched for by an authorized witness. When he took bathroom breaks, though, Gorgon had to accompany him back and reactivate the table. The alien had told Alden that there would be no peeing in bottles in the Chicago consulate. Or else. Not that I planned to. Does he think I'm an animal? For the first couple of hours, 
Alden focused on gaining an understanding of the trading platform and closely examining his fellow B-Ranks. A few people did log in and out, disappearing from his system interface entirely, but most just adjusted the wanted lists on their profiles and turned on the auto-trade feature when they needed to leave. That was fascinating because it made it possible for Alden to tell what classes they really hoped for, as opposed to what they would merely settle for. Almost everyone was at least willing to take the adjuster class, and many of them seemed to want it in particular. Which was expected but not good. Adjuster of Reality was basically a build-your-own-mage class. Adjusters got a huge list of reality-altering spells to choose from in the beginning and based on their choices. They were eventually pushed along increasingly narrower paths toward unique specializations. Hannah, for example, had chosen a basic mobile barrier for her first spell, and she'd eventually leaped from that into things like the magic preservation bubble she'd used on Alden. But she could have chosen from dozens of other spells and gained a totally different power set. Some adjusters focused on improving their own bodies and came out almost like magically enhanced brutes. Others could shoot bolts of electricity from their palms. Of course everyone wants it. There's just nothing bad about being an adjuster. Well, that wasn't entirely true. Once an adjuster chose their path, the system did lock them into it pretty hard. If the first spell you picked was ice over, you'd better not suddenly decide you hated frost magic, because you wouldn't be offered much else. But Alden didn't think that was a terrible drawback, and apparently his fellow B-Ranks felt the same. It's too early to give up on it. Maybe people trade it more often than I'm guessing? To give himself a better idea. He toggled off the setting that made the trading platform show only his own rank and started spying on the others. He couldn't select any of them and offer to trade, but it was still interesting. There were only three lonely S-ranks. One was trying to trade Sky Shaper for a healer position, which at that vaunted rank was like trying to trade a dump truck full of rubies for a freaking freight train full of them. Greedy much? Alden grumbled. The others were a strength-type brute, like Arjun Thomas, and a bridge right? What on earth? Rights were the crafting class. Usually they weren't so weirdly specific on first assignment. Bridges. And S-rank? What is that dude supposed to do with that one? Clearly the new S-rank was supposed to build bridges. Amazing ones. But that seemed like a really strange thing for the Artinans to have ordered up. Alden could just imagine his fellow selectee staring at their class assignment window trying to figure out whether to jump with joy at being in the 99th percentile of all superhumans or scream, because they would only be able to use their awesome power for building a single type of structure. Maybe if you develop it far enough the bridges do things? Well, it was a problem for the fancy S-ranks to sort out. Not Alden. There were 15 A-ranks currently trading. None of them were adjusters. And there were a couple thousand Cs. Which made some sense. C-rank was the most common at roughly 35% of all avowed. Followed by the Ds and Fs with 30% and 20% respectively. I'm pretty lucky really. Bs made up around 9% of the superhuman population. 
The numbers don't work out logically, though. There were way fewer S's, A's, and B's trading than Alden would have thought there should be. Maybe a lot of the unwanted classes are disproportionately distributed toward the lower end of the scale? He scribbled cubes and spirals on the cover of his biology notebook while he thought about it. It could also have been the fact that some powers that were meh at lower levels actually became quite useful at higher ones. Like the shaper subtypes. They were really bad for anyone below C, but then they spiked sharply and became tremendously good for A's. No wonder B-74 is a wreck. He must have sold a kidney to get that morph, and he's still trying to trade into something better. Morph was the shapeshifter version of the brute class. It wasn't Alden's preference, but it was nice. Really nice at B. Crap. This is going to be a people thing, isn't it? He understood what Gorgon meant about the personal touch being important now. Nobody was going to see Alden's class and just want it, unless their own was a total dud. He would probably have to trade up and up gradually until he got something decent, and to do that, he'd have to talk to people. He'd have to persuade them. Preferably without turning into an unhygienic rage lord like B-74. He went ahead and searched through all the lower ranks, looking for adjusters. One C-rank had been hanging around for more than a month, but for some reason. They only wanted mourner in exchange and weren't willing to trade for anything else. It was an extremely rare class. They weren't likely to get it. Alden wondered why they even wanted it in the first place. Mourner was the emotional transference class where you literally took others' negative feelings into yourself. He'd always thought it sounded like self-inflicted torture. Maybe there was more to it, though? I need to research the rares. He wrote it down in his notebook. The only other adjuster he found was at D-rank. They appeared for a grand total of two minutes and then vanished. Right. So that's how it is. I might need to moderate my goals a little. He cracked his knuckles and stretched. Then he went upstairs to talk to Gorgon. Evening classes were starting, and there were people coming and going. But nobody was bothering Gorgon, and since Alden didn't take any of the classes on Thursdays, none of these people knew him or cared what he was up to as he approached the desk. I'm going to head home, text my friends, feed the cat, and grab some dinner, he said quietly. Two questions. Can I use the trading room all night long if I want? And can I bring Jeremy with me? Gorgon blinked. It was only the second time Alden had ever seen his eyelids. The trading room is yours. As I stated before, you are now Artanen, affiliated. You may use the building at all hours. Not that I wasn't letting you anyway. And as you are the only selectee currently taking advantage of this consulate's services, you don't even have to worry about sharing. He tilted his head. As for Jeremy, I suppose you could bring him? You don't sound sure. Nobody's ever asked for a civilian companion in the trading room. I'll have to check with my supervisor, but I can't think of a real reason for her to say no. The Artanans tend to be rather relaxed about what they see as human eccentricities. But what would you even do with Jeremy? He's really likable and insightful. People naturally lower their guard around him. 
There's obviously a lot of tension going on with my fellow selectees, and I want to reduce it. Jeremy can be my wingman and persuade the other B-ranks to give me all their juicy classes. Alden paused, then added. He'll think it's cool, too. Gorgon blinked again. That's a clever idea. Why do you sound shocked? It's a clever idea, but it won't work the way you're thinking it will. Alden felt himself deflate. Why not? Jeremy can't use the system in the same way you can. He can't access the trading platform. He won't be able to see or hear the person you're talking to, and they won't be able to see or hear him. Alden groaned. You're destroying my dreams. But Gorgon still looked thoughtful. Leave it for tonight. I'll put in a request and have an answer for you tomorrow. I will explain your desire for emotional support to my supervisor. Perhaps if I describe Jeremy as a sort of servant or a pet. It was Alden's turn to blink. Gorgon, Jeremy is not a poodle. The alien shrugged. Some concepts are just easier to translate across species than others. If that was case, then Alden was a bit concerned about how this supervisor viewed the world. But he'd take what he could get. He turned to go, but he only made it a few steps across the polished floor before he was stopped by a light touch against his back. He spun in surprise, only to find it was Gorgon, looking up at him with an uncommonly direct stare. Let me take your luggage for you, he said. Huh? Let me take your luggage. Gorgon nodded toward the messenger bag slung across Alden's shoulders. Nonplussed, Alden removed the bag and handed it over. He expected Gorgon to do something with it. Maybe it was a security check to make sure he hadn't stolen anything from downstairs? But the alien only took the bag and carried it toward the lobby doors. He set it down on the threshold and then walked back to his desk, passing Alden on his way. He's walking weird. It was stiff and pained. What the heck was that about? Alden called after him. I will see you when you return, Gorgon said in an even higher voice than normal. Have a pleasant evening. Gorgon? Have a pleasant evening. Alden left feeling extremely unnerved. He'd gotten to know Gorgon well enough to say with some confidence that the alien would not go out of his way to suddenly valet Alden's book bag 15 feet for no reason at all. Which means there was a reason, Alden thought, watching buildings slide by through the train windows as he made his way back home. Only I don't have any idea what it is. He'd worried over it for the past ten minutes, and he'd come up with nothing that made him feel more at ease. Is it some gross servant thing? Like he's forced to do it now because I'm going to be one of the avowed? The thought was disturbing. But it could be the case. Whoever had set the terms of Gorgon's imprisonment was clearly a nasty piece of work. And as far as he knew, Alden had never seen the alien interact with another avowed. He didn't have a framework for comparison. I hope that isn't it. The only other thing it could be is some kind of hint? Suggestion? About class selection? Alden liked that idea much better, but Gorgon had stated extremely clearly that he wasn't allowed to do such a thing. If it was a hint, it was a vague one. 
And it was an important one, because the alien didn't seem like the type to risk Arden and Wrath for no good reason. So, no pressure, Alden. You just need to figure out what connection your perfectly ordinary messenger bag has to superhero work. Alden closed his eyes. He tried to pick apart Gorgon's every word and action. It was weird that he called it luggage instead of a bag. There's not a class that has anything to do with luggage. Maybe it's about travel in general? Speed types travel fast. There's that bike meister lady who's like a motorcycle goddess, that's sort of travel related. But those didn't feel right. For one thing, bike meister was one of a kind. Nobody had ever gotten it before or since. And surely even if Gorgon had to be vague, he could have come up with something more obvious if he was trying to point Alden toward a speedster class. He could have just said some version of hurry up. It's probably not a recommendation that I try to go for a teleportation build either, right? I don't think B-Ranks have an option like that, and if we did, it would just be a specific version of Adjuster. He knows that's my top choice anyway. He could have waited to see if I even got the class or not before saying anything. By the time the train reached his stop, Alden still had no clue what the mysterious message meant. He stepped out into the evening air. It was cold. He'd left his coat at school, and the wind stole what heat his body had collected during the ride. He shivered. Does this mean Gorgon thinks I should be focusing on some class other than Adjuster? Or just in addition to it? The uncertainty was worrying. But he shouldn't stand here agonizing over it all night. Get home. Eat. Feed the cat, he told himself sternly. And maybe he would borrow a sleeping bag from one of the neighbors. The room with the crystal table was nice and all, but it was going to be really uncomfortable to spend hour upon hour in there. Maybe he could nap in between checking for new trade listings. And when should I tell Jeremy and Bo? For that matter, when should he tell his aunt? She would definitely promise not to share the secret. And she would also definitely break that promise as soon as she got a little too excited. So, he'd have two days, max, after telling her. And then everyone in Chicago would know. Aunt Connie's out then. Alden was 99% sure he didn't want to go down the unregistered route Gorgon had mentioned. But until he was completely positive, he didn't want to burn bridges. I can get away with skipping school tomorrow, then I'll have to figure something out. If he called the school counselor and told her about Hannah's funeral, he could probably clear a full week. But that felt wrong. It's Saturday. That's so soon. He really didn't want to go. Especially now. What if someone at the funeral could tell he was a selectee? He didn't know what kinds of powers Hannah's friends had. Maybe I can ask people for class advice? Again, that felt wrong. It was a funeral, not a networking opportunity. I just have to get through it. By the time Alden made it to his own front door, he was so cold he was sure that forgetting his coat was karmic justice for how badly he and Bo had teased Jeremy a few weeks ago. 15. Class Trader, Part 2 Class Trader, Part 2 on Saturday morning, Alden woke up to the trill of his cell phone alarm at the completely uncivilized hour of 4 a.m. 
he crawled out of the cozy sleeping bag he'd brought and flicked on the trading room's fluorescent lights. It should be afternoon in India and Indonesia, evening in China. Time zones were now something he cared about. He needed to be awake when large numbers of his fellow B-ranks were, and this should be a good time to catch any newcomers. And, hopefully, it would also be a good time to dodge B-74. The other selectee had a lot more experience with trading and a better class to work with than Alden did, plus he was almost always online. Alden needed to take advantage of the guy's brief absences. B-74 was located in the avowed zone in the western half of North Dakota, an hour behind Chicago time. And he'd been up until after midnight last night, probably chugging energy drinks and bothering a newcomer with the ID B-105, who'd popped up on the trading platform with the Shaper of Life class gleaming like a beacon at the top of their listing. That class was on 74's wanted list. Alden was almost positive 74 had made a pest of himself, because the shaper had only hung around for an hour or so before going offline entirely. Not even an auto-trade option was left behind to mark the fact that they existed. B-74 had set his own auto-trade about three minutes later. He still hadn't managed to get shaper of life. Alden, who'd been quietly examining the other bees and tweaking his own listing, had smiled. It was partially schadenfreude. 74 was rude, and Alden didn't want him to have good things. But the other selectee's antagonistic existence also played into his own plans for his new career as a class trader. If 74 was going to go around cursing at people with bad classes and annoying the shit out of people with good ones, then Alden would be the light to his darkness. He'd be the friendly one people could talk to. Maybe, hopefully, someone would be more inclined to trade with him because of that. His listing was freshly updated to reflect that goal. ID, B-13 Location, Artenen Consulate 4, USA. Trading, Meister of Cudgel. Wanted, Adjuster, All, Brute, Speedster, Uncommons, Healer, All, Meister, Traps, Wands, Uncommons, Shaper, All, Sway, All, Right, All, Rares. Notes, Meister of Cudgel seems like a class with potential if close-range weapons appeal to you. It has novelty value compared to the more common weapons subclasses, and we all know branding is particularly important for B-Ranks hoping to pursue hero work. I'm happy to chat with anyone even if negotiations aren't on the table. Looking forward to meeting you all on Anisadora soon. I might be the guy with the club. Autotrade, N.O. Obviously, Alden didn't actually want all of the things his wanted list covered. But he needed to give an impression of openness to conversation, and he shouldn't take the risk of missing out on some strange subtype he'd never heard of. He thought mentioning their future as possible neighbors and classmates on the island was a pleasant touch, and a good indicator that unlike some people, he wouldn't bite someone's head off if they approached him with a class he didn't like. Satisfied for the time being, he sat down and logged himself in. He scanned the list, sipping from a cup of water he'd poured before crawling into his sleeping bag a few short hours ago. B-74 was still absent. 
and, with a thrill, Alden saw that the Life Shaper was back. Their listing wasn't quite as bare-bones as it had been last night. No doubt they'd finally had time to settle it now that they weren't fending off 74. He read it carefully. ID, B105 Location, Artenon Consulate 1, France. Trading, Shaper of Life. Wanted, Adjuster, All, Healer, All, Right, All. Notes, I'm happy with Shaper of Life, but I'm interested in seeing what else might be available before I commit to it. I do not want Morph. Autotrade, N.O. Alden was tempted to contact them, if only to tell them the specific mention of 74's Morph was a nice dig. But he didn't. Based on their preferences, they weren't going to go for any kind of physical combat class and they probably had a low tolerance for wasting time after last night. Instead, his eyes landed on a listing that had appeared less than a minute ago. ID, B-22 location, Artenen Consulate 1, Poland. Trading, Schenner. Wanted, Brute, Strength, Meister, Knuckles. Notes, Hello. I'm Andre. Good to meet you. Autotrade, Yes. Alden read the listing. Then, feeling certain he must have missed something, he read it again. Andre, no, he muttered. Don't trade Schenner for those. Schenner was one of the rarest classes. Alden had had time to freshen up his knowledge of some of the rares last night. In general, they weren't better than others. They just happened to be the classes that represented less than a percent of the overall pool. Though the Errand Runner class, Rabbit, was more like 1.1% according to the latest numbers. All of the rares were oddballs, but some of them were impractical oddballs, while others had their uses. Like Shenner. It was a class that gave you access to the most powerful word chains, reduced their negative effects, and increased their positive ones. The Artenans were funny about sharing the higher-level word chains outside their own species, so it was a unique opportunity. Word chains were inherently balanced, which made the idea of using powerful ones a little scary. Sure, you could use a high-level luck chain and have the best day ever in Vegas. But was it really a net win if the payback was dying in a car accident a few weeks later? The Schenner class made it more likely that the car crash would only severely injure you instead. Alden didn't think it was a class he particularly wanted for himself. But if he were forced to choose right now this second, he'd probably take it over Meister of Cudgel. And Andre could absolutely get something more unique than super strength for it. Alden couldn't remember exactly how often Schenner occurred, but it was an ultra-rare and some people were really into word chains. A few superheroes even had them tattooed all over their bodies. Just to be sure he wasn't completely off the mark, he looked up Andre's second choice, Meister of Knuckles, on his laptop. He'd assumed it was a class that specialized in fist weapons, and he was right. It was pretty uncommon. Unless Andre had just committed a series of terribly unlucky typos, then the only thing he could possibly want was to punch things. Hard. He didn't even list healer or adjuster or anything else. Well, some people wanted to be strong. It wasn't like that was a negative thing. 
it probably felt wonderful, just on a day-to-day -day basis, to be bursting with physical power. Shenner is probably a difficult class to use, too. There was something to be said for the simplicity of smashing bad guys with your fists as opposed to pausing for a meditation break. While you made alterations to your own mental state and fate through cross-dimensional barter, it just hurt Alden's soul a little bit to see one of the rarest classes being casually traded for the most common. It wouldn't be long. There wasn't a strength brute trading at B-rank right now, but there were bound to be a few before Andre's grace period was up. Alden scanned the other IDs. There was an agility-type brute in Bangladesh. And of course there was B-74 with Morph, but if the new guy really only wanted strength brute or knuckles. Mine's the closest of anything online right now. I guess I should at least try to start a negotiation? Alden wanted to think about it longer, but he couldn't. Physically strong fighter types were a dime a dozen. Competition would come. Or 74 would wake up and throw his hat into the ring. I know Shenner will be easier to trade than Meister of Cudgel. I have to go for it. He clicked on Andre's ID before he could second-guess himself. Initiate live trade negotiations with B-22? Yes, Alden said aloud. He expected to come face to face with the Polish teen right away, but apparently Andre wasn't operating on the same frantic schedule as B-74. He could be reading up on my class first. Or maybe I have to wait until he's finished talking to someone else. Whatever the case, Alden had time to straighten the worst of the wrinkles out of his t-shirt and fingercomb his hair. Then he started skimming through a few websites he'd bookmarked yesterday, trying to find reliable information about Shenner. An A-rank Shenner named Keiko Velra had been active as a superhero for the past 15 years in Japan. But she had never given out a lot of info on her own skills, spells, or word chains. Many avowed preferred to keep their powers private, and she was apparently one of them. For the more common classes you could find encyclopedias worth of information, right down to the specifics the system usually offered beginners of every rank. But for the ultra-rares there was no guarantee. Since it was Shenner, people might not even be allowed to be too forthcoming with the details. But the fact that at least one person only a rank above Alden was managing to do hero work with the class was encouraging. It made Shenner seem more viable, and therefore more valuable. This Andres person probably knew that, too. When he tells me to get lost, I'll head upstairs for a bathroom break. Maybe when I get back I'll try to say hi to that long sight whose grace period is ending in a couple of days. They're going to be stuck with that. And they've probably been sitting around in a room just this drab for the past three months with nobody willing to talk to them. Alden was starting to feel claustrophobic, and he hadn't even been a selectee for a full day yet. Nearly 30 minutes after he'd asked to negotiate, his system interface finally brightened. B-22 has accepted your invitation. B-22 has been vouched for by an authorized witness. You have been vouched for by an authorized witness. Negotiations are approved. Alden had been resting his head on his arms, but he sat up straight just in time to see Andre appear across the table from him. 
The other teen was short and pudgy, with dark blonde hair and narrow brown eyes. He had a friendly smile, and he waved at Alden cheerfully with the hand he wasn't using to maintain contact with the table. On a plate in front of him was a boiled egg and a half-eaten donut full of dark red jam. Zien Dobri, he said. Good morning. The words appeared in the lower half of Alden's vision, centered on the other teen's chest like subtitles from a foreign language film. Morning, said Alden, trying to strike a balance between reading the words and making good eye contact. I didn't know how the translation thing would work. This is pretty great. Yes, it's fun. Like a movie. I'm Andre. I was selected by the system last week. This is my first day trying to trade, though. I was chosen yesterday, said Alden. So we're both new at this. My name's Alden, by the way. Andre ate a bite of his donut. He took his time chewing and swallowing, then he said, Do you want to trade for Shenner? Alden scratched the back of his neck. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I would. But I know I don't have exactly the class you want. And I'm not loaded, so I can't add on a monetary bonus like some people seem to. The Polish boy brushed crumbs off his hands onto the plate. It's fine. Money doesn't matter to me. I looked up your subclass. There wasn't as much information as I would like, but the stat bonuses were all there. It's the second highest strength boost of any weapon master class. Right behind Knuckles. I'll take it. Alden had been taking a sip of water. He barely got it down without choking. You, you want it? Yes. For Shenner? Andre gave him a slight frown. Yes. Did you change your mind about the trade? No, no. Alden said hastily. I just... Don't want to take advantage of you? He didn't consider himself to be much of a negotiator. But he knew that wasn't the right thing to say when you were trying to convince someone to give you what they had. I'm just surprised you're interested, he explained. I thought you must be very selective with your class preference. Since you only listed two on your wanted list and they were both specific subclasses. I wanted certain minimum strength and stamina bonuses, Andres sighed. Those are the only two classes that have them at our rank. Meister of Cudgel is a little lower. But I've taken your point about the value of cudgels for branding purposes into consideration. It's a good one. And I can improve the stats enough if I can level up even once. It was only then that Alden realized the other boy really had spent the past half hour researching the cudgel class while Alden waited. And he wanted it. Alden felt off-footed by that for some reason. A paranoid little part of him hissed, No, don't give it to him. If he wants it, then it must be better than what he has. But that was just nerves talking, wasn't it? Andre clearly had his own plans for his future as one of the avowed, just like Alden did. I don't know why you'd want a specific strength minimum, though. Maybe Andre was one of those guys who really did the math. And there was some hard floor on the strength stat for whatever he wanted his career to be? What are you going to do with it? Alden blurted. With the cudgel class, I mean? It wasn't like he needed to know to make the trade, but he wanted to understand what his fellow B-rank was thinking. 
if it was wildly different from his own perspective on things, he should at least take the time to examine it. Andre smiled, but he shook his head. Trade me for it, and then I'll tell you. Come on, man, Alden groaned. I know I don't want the class for myself. I'll give it to you for Schenner. I just... The Polish boy raised his eyebrows at Alden. If you're sure you don't want it, then trade first. Alden's heart rate picked up. He tightened his grip on the milky crystal surface of the table. Be smart, he ordered himself. Is there some trick here I'm not seeing? Only it was hard to be smart with just three hours of sleep under his belt and not enough information about one of the classes involved. And he couldn't just ask for more time to think. Andre might give Schenner to someone else. Of course he won't tell me what he wants Meister of Cudgel for. He doesn't want me to decide his ideal superhero build is better than mine and snatch it away from him. That doesn't mean his ideal is better than mine. Only that it's different. It's fine. There's no nasty trick here. Most likely. The fact that it's happening so quickly and easily doesn't mean I'm being an idiot. Probably. One of Alden's hands slipped a little against the table. He was actually sweating. Yeah, let's trade, he said, hoping he didn't sound as nervous as he felt. Across the table, Andre had finished his donut, and he was peeling the white off his boiled egg. Good. On the bottom right corner of Alden's system overlay were the words confirm class trade. Confirm class trade, he said. At exactly the same time, Andre was prodding at the air in front of his own face. A second later, new words appeared. Trade Meister of Cudgel class for Schenner class. Yes slash no. Yes, Alden said. B-22 has requested a trade. You have requested a trade. Both selectees have been vouched for by authorized witnesses. Please wait. Your class is being reassigned. Alden held his breath. And then he had to stop doing that so he wouldn't pass out. It's taking a longer time than I thought it would, Andre noted. Right? Does some kind of signal have to travel from here to Artona and back again? It's magic, and magic is hard to figure out. Some things seem instantaneous. Yeah. I take classes here at the consulate with an instructor teaching from Artona, and there's no lag. As far as I can tell. Andre brightened. Are you taking word chain classes? Yes. That's great. Maybe you can actually use Shenner yourself instead of, well, that's up to you now. I've never liked word chains, and I haven't studied the Artanan language. I would have to start from scratch, in addition to learning English and Spanish. Oh, so he definitely wanted to do superhero work. From what Alden had heard, you couldn't graduate from any of the advanced training programs on Anisadora without being fluent in at least one of the world's five most spoken languages. As a B-rank, it would be even more important to be multilingual to increase your odds of getting job offers. I need to learn Mandarin, Alden mused. He was just thinking out loud, but Andre's smile grew even more excited. Are you planning to qualify as a hero, too? Yes, if I can get the right class, I want to go into. He was interrupted by a flare of light as his interface shifted. 
class trade approved. Preaffixed selectee, Samuel Alden Thorne. Divergence rank, B. Assigned class, Shenner. Samuel Alden Thorne, do you willingly accept your duties as one of Earth's avowed, thereby satisfying a portion of your planet's debt to Artona? Yes slash no. 2145H, 20M08S. It's done. Mine's finished, too. Congrats on your new class. Thank you. I'm going to affix it this afternoon. Or maybe in a couple of days. My family thinks there should be a party to celebrate it. I guess I should give them time to plan it. Wow. You really are sure about what you want. I am. My uncle is a meister of knuckles working in Warsaw. By the way, you're a bad salesman, Alden. Ouch, dude. Don't pull your punches or anything. Andre laughed. Anyway, before we were interrupted, I was trying to say that what I really want to do is get a class I can turn into decent battlefield support. Support? Like a dedicated sidekick? Do people still do that? He looked bemused. It's usually military or special police forces supporting heroes for local work, and formal strike crews from Anasidora handle any serious problems. And that's, are you hoping to join one of the permanent battle squads? Well, not necessarily. Good, because none of them take anyone below A rank. I do want to do team-ups, though, Alden said. I'd work closely with one or two other avowed so that we all become way more effective than we would be on our own. A pair of B ranks with complementary specs could be as good as an A rank, for sure. Maybe as good as an S in some situations. Andre clearly didn't agree with that last bit. His lips pursed. But he only said, I see what you're talking about. You want to be like Fairy. From Fairy and Flairy. Alden stared at the subtitles. Fairy and Flairy had been said in English, so he'd understood the words just fine. But he had no clue what they meant. Are those superhero names? You don't know it? It's a show. And that was how Alden ended up spending the next 15 minutes of his life watching clips from an animated Australian children's program while a Polish guy discussed the finer points of the main character's tactical decisions. Fairy and Flary were both S-ranks with unique classes. Of course, because why have a fantasy show if you weren't going to make it totally over the top? Fairy could sparkle like a diamond, and her disco ball routine had the power to hypnotize evildoers into chasing after her. These distracted villains became easy fodder for Flary, whose primary skill was being a fire-breathing pink hippo grizzly. Flary was the heavy hitter of the team who did the actual fighting, but his giant hippo grizzly body was too slow to catch bad guys. Before he'd met Fairy, he'd been a laughingstock. And before she'd met him, she hadn't had the firepower she needed to take down villains on her own. To Alden's chagrin, it wasn't a terrible analogy for what he wanted to do. It was just so cute. And Fairy wasn't very smart. Yeah, sort of like Fairy, he confessed. But with more nuance and less getting kidnapped, I hope. In real life, Fairy would not be a good sidekick for Flary. 
Her inability to remove herself from combat puts too much pressure on him. She needs a skill that lets her escape after she's hypnotized the enemy. Without it, she's not a proper superhero. Andre sounded dead serious. I'll keep that in mind. Alden cleared his throat. Enough about me, though. What are you going to do with Meister of Cudgel? I will focus heavily on increasing my physical stats. Many hero teams have mentorship program for promising students. You can participate during the latter half of your schooling on Anisadora, but most B-ranks never achieve the required stat minimums until they've aged out of such programs. I should be able to do it with this class, though, if I aim for it from the start. That sounds like a solid plan. I hope you have good luck with it. Given your goals, you intend to trade Shenner for something else, don't you? I really want a Juster. Maybe, Alden added mentally. He still had no idea what Gorgon's hint about luggage meant. He'd read lists of every obscure class he could find, and there was nothing bag-related or travel-related as far as he could see. He hoped clarity would strike soon, because by the end of his search last night he was only finding thread-thin connections. And if that was all he had to work with, he would never have the confidence to actually choose a class that merely might be the one the alien had intended to point him toward. That's hard. Adjuster is popular. Shenner will be an easy trade, though. You should research the history of the class carefully before you do anything. Don't just give it away. It's history? Andre suddenly looked a little guilty. I'm glad you were online to take it. My uncle hated the idea of me selling it to a certain kind of person. I was going to do it anyway, but then you were here. It takes off a lot of pressure, and you won't have to worry about what my relative thinks. So it's a victory for both of us. You're making me a little nervous. It's fine. You'll see. You don't know much about the important families on Anisadora, do you? No? Alden was interested in prominent superheroes, not the society of Avowed who lived on the island. Then it's fine. Just research it, but don't let anyone know you did. Nobody can be mad at you if they think you're an ignorant outsider. It's perfect, really. This last bit was said with a smile that was a little too encouraging for Alden's liking. Nobody will be mad at me for trading the class because I'm an outsider? What does that mean? He asked a couple more questions, but Andre was apparently unwilling to be any more specific. Because he hastily made an excuse, reassured Alden that the class wasn't bad for his needs, and signed off. Ha, huh, that's not concerning at all, Alden thought as the other teen disappeared. He stretched and checked his listing. It was grayed out. He updated it with his new class, then reactivated it. He couldn't immediately think of anything clever to say about Shenner in his notes section, so he just pointed out that it was an ultra-rare class that was successfully being used for hero work by at least one other person. He'd come up with something better after he'd done the research and figured out what Andre had meant by his cryptic warning. He wanted a break anyway. He needed to brush his teeth. He was about to log out when he received a new notice. B-74 has requested negotiation. 
Do you wish to accept? Alden stared at it in surprise. Really? After that insane monologue he gave me twelve hours ago? Maybe Shenner was a shinier new toy than he'd realized. Alden tried to think of what the proper payback for 74 was. Nothing too mean. He did have a tiny, wretched fragment of sympathy for his fellow selectee. The guy had barely been sleeping for two straight months. Maybe he'd actually had normal human manners before all of this started. Still, he needed to chill. Sure, I'll talk to him. B-74 flashed into the room. He was standing at his trash table, and his mouth was already open to say something, but Alden held up his free hand. Hey, man. Good to see you again, but I can't talk right now. I have to go brush my teeth. It shouldn't take too long. Unless I decide to head to school for the day. I've got a biology exam. Maybe I shouldn't miss it? I'll think about it over breakfast. Anyway, I'll be back in a few minutes. Or sometime tonight. Sunday at the absolute latest. See you then. Before his opponent could respond, Alden lifted his other hand and let the connection drop. Patience was a virtue. Maybe B-74 could acquire it while staring at the system interface, waiting for someone who might or might not reappear in the next two days. 16. Bo, Part 1 Bo, Part 1 Alden stepped out of the elevator, yawning. Maybe I really will go get breakfast before I come back. It was five in the morning, but a coffee shop had to be opened somewhere. It would be nice to hang out in a place other than consulate basement while he researched his new class. He stopped by the vending machine to buy a fruit punch for Gorgon, then he headed toward the lobby desk. So, I'm a prefixed Shenner now, he said as he passed the alien the bottle of juice. That is an extremely rare assignment. Gorgon spoke in the same totally inflectionless voice he always used when the conversation turned toward anything Alden might construe as advice. It seemed like something I could trade more easily. The guy I got it from seemed to think so, too. I think I was really lucky, but he was a little odd about it. I'm gonna go grab a bite and figure out why. I see, said Gorgon. Thank you for the juice. Alden hesitated, considering his next works carefully. I'm still thinking over what you said to me last night. I noticed it. He felt the need to acknowledge Gorgon's hint now that he was positive there was no uncomfortable servitude thing going on between the two of them. He had been relieved when he returned to the consulate last night with things that might qualify as actual luggage in hand, and the alien had completely ignored him. Alden had fumbled a two-person sleeping bag, snacks, bottled water, his book bag and his ancient laptop into the building. Yet Gorgon hadn't lifted a finger for him. But he couldn't help noticing that the alien's gray skin was looking downright charred beneath his magical bonds. So Gorgon had crossed some sort of line for Alden. And Alden didn't even know how to say thank you properly without possibly making the situation worse for him. For a beat, the alien was silent. Then, instead of replying to Alden's attempt to subtly express his gratitude, he said, I have received confirmation that you are allowed to have your friends accompany you into the trading room. 
They would only be able to provide you with moral support, however. My supervisor was disinclined to grant them temporary access to the trading interface. Wow, thank you. I really didn't even expect that much. Gorgon shrugged. Normally, she would have been easier to persuade, but she's recently been penalized for consorting with a demon, and I believe she's trying to appear more law-abiding than usual. Your supervisor hangs out with demons? Alden asked. Not like you, but actual monsters made of pure chaos? He didn't have a lot of knowledge on real demons. Earth was only contractually obligated to deal with one or two a year, and they all landed in a controlled zone on Anisadora where they were demolished in a matter of seconds by a few hundred avowed working together. No media were allowed, so the semi-annual event was never more than a minor headline. Still, it didn't sound like they were beings you'd want to consort with. All Artanans of the highest ranks have interactions with what some might call true demons. My supervisor just picked a worse one than she should have. Well, let's not make her mad, then, Alden said. Indeed. The conversation ended on that disturbing note, and Alden headed out. The walk down the still dark street cleared his head, and after a few blocks he came to a bakery that was just opening its doors. He ordered a matcha and bought a vegan brownie from the section of the case where the shop kept its day-old baked goods. Despite multiple attempts to force-feed himself old favorites like shredded cheese and bacon, all Alden had managed to do so far was nearly choke to death. He had confirmed that his new, magically enforced diet was only a diet though. It didn't affect other aspects of his life. He could still use one of his dad's old leather belts, and he'd enthusiastically murdered a cockroach he'd found running across the kitchen floor a couple of nights past. He might be able to make peace with the situation. Eventually. At least the brownie's really good. He set his laptop up at a small corner table and started delving into the Schenner class. At first, it was all normal stuff. There were reputable sites with basic intel on the class's natural stat bonuses, and a few surprisingly sparse lists of the starter skills offered to each rank. Interestingly, Schenner's didn't seem to have access to spell impressions, or at least none of them had ever publicly admitted to earning one. But the lack wasn't listed as an official class penalty, like it was with brutes. Must be a soft restriction. It meant that system-granted spells were probably reserved for the class's S ranks, or as special rewards instead of something they could earn just by leveling up. The latter wasn't a clear-cut or guaranteed process for Avowed. Not in the same way it was in a video game. Alden didn't know about Shenner specifically, but for most classes, leveling purportedly involved expanding the functions of your starter skill through a harrowing mix of trial, error, and epiphany. Nobody had ever really come up with a surefire method for doing it, as far as he knew. And it wasn't like the system told you how to improve your skill. You just had to keep hacking away at it on your own and make it work. Somehow. Even with a limit on spell impressions, the Shenners weren't suffering. In fact, there was an entire multi-generational family full of them on Anisadora. 
which was one heck of a shock to Alden since classes didn't run in families. Avowed almost always married other avowed, and more often than not, their children were chosen by the system. But though they tended to inherit ranks similar to their parents' own, naturally they couldn't inherit classes. They got the same random selection as everyone else. Gorgon had told Alden that Avowed sometimes had strong opinions about their children's class trades and got themselves overly involved. But this was something else. Apparently, there were a few extended families on Anisidora that had managed to make sure almost every single one of their children ended up with the same class. It was usually done for the purpose of consolidating knowledge about the classes themselves, and it allowed the families to train children from birth with some degree of certainty about what their future would hold. To get the classes they needed, these families took advantage of the trading option and offered hefty bonuses to purchase them when necessary. The practice of class hoarding wasn't illegal, but it had become controversial in recent years. Not with the Artenans or with Earth's governments, but with the other avowed on the island. Alden mostly gleaned his information from opinion pieces in Anasidoran blogs and newspapers. Various columnists complained that the families in question were getting a little too good at managing their skill and spell selections. And then they complained even more about the fact that the hoarders wouldn't share insights into their classes with people other than their own relatives. It just seems like a lot of sour grapes. High-ranking superhumans complaining that it wasn't fair other high-ranking superhumans were getting extra special advice about build refinement from their own parents was pretty far removed from the average person's reality. Alden felt like he was reading angry letters written by billionaires who didn't like the fact that bigger billionaires existed. The Schenner family, the Velras, seemed to be one of the main targets of all the vitriol, and it quickly became obvious why. They were collecting high-level word chains by having every family member select different ones from the system. And because they were word chains and not skills, they could be shared with the other family members very easily. The Velras were a huge deal on Anisidora. And the only reason Alden had never heard of them was because almost none of them were active superheroes. Apparently Keiko was the rogue family member, choosing to do her own thing in Tokyo. All the other prominent members worked for the Anisidoran government or held positions on elite battle squads that were only called out to deal with massive emergencies and the occasional demon-squashing event. And unlike other families going down the single-class route, the Velras were making a serious attempt to monopolize Shenner. They had somehow persuaded several Shenners they hadn't been able to claim in any other way to marry into their family. Others were associated with them by magical contract. They'd even adopted a few people. Alden was seriously curious about what was going on with the class now. He was tempted to affix it just based on the fact that a family of superhumans had dedicated themselves to making sure nobody else got to play with it. But he really didn't want one of the family's four S ranks to swat him like a gnat the second he stepped foot on the island or force him to marry their children, or slap a new surname on him. 
Andre didn't want to sell the class to them because it would be a bad look for him and his avowed uncle when they're so controversial right now. That's why he told me I should pretend to be ignorant. This was good for him. Really good. At least it was as long as Andre wasn't lying. And people weren't going to try to burn a clueless noob at the stake if he traded the class to the Velras. So maybe what happens now is I contact them, they pay me a ton of money for the class. And then I use it to pay someone else for whatever one I want? But what if they don't have any kids eligible to receive the class in the next three months? How does that? The sound of his cell phone ringing interrupted his thoughts. It was Bo. Hey, Alden said, still staring at his computer. Did you know there's a family that collects the Shenner class on Anisadora? Like, most of the people on Earth who have access to it are related to them in some way? There was a moment of silence. Then, Bo said, good morning to you, too. Why are you telling me about the Velras at the crack of dawn? Ah, oh, that was unusual behavior. Sorry. Morning. What's up? You. Apparently. I haven't even had coffee yet. I'm calling to ask if you're coming to school today or if you want me to pick up your assignments? Alden's guts twisted uncomfortably. He had to tell his friends sometime. And Bo was probably the right one to tell first, since they'd been friends longer. He glanced toward the bakery counter. Nobody was there. The woman who'd sold him the brownie was busy stocking the display case, and she kept disappearing into the kitchen. Alden? You there? I got selected, he muttered quietly. The connection went dead silent. The tone of his voice must have been enough for Bo to guess what he was selected for. But when his friend didn't reply immediately, Alden thought maybe he needed to say it more clearly. Yesterday, right after that Hamlet quiz fiasco, I got chosen as one of the... Don't say it over the phone. Bo's tone was hard to place, but if Alden had to, he'd put it somewhere between annoyed and afraid. Which seemed like a strange reaction. But Alden had wandered out of school yesterday, gotten lost, and then called a rideshare from the parking lot of a random podiatrist's office. So maybe the news was just the sort of thing that made everyone act a little off. Where are you right now? Bo asked. With Gorgon? I'm at a bakery a few blocks away. I'll come. Alden was startled. You don't have to. We can just meet up after school. Have you pulled the trigger yet? Alden heard a series of loud bangs, as if his friend was opening and closing doors or drawers in rapid succession. I haven't Affy. Don't say it over the phone. And good. I'll get dressed and be there in like an hour. Don't get excited and do anything stupid. What's that supposed to mean? Bo was already gone. 17. Bo, Part 2 Bo, Part 2 You're really skipping school for this? Alden asked as Bo dragged a chair noisily across the tile floor toward his table. Over the past hour, the bakery had filled with customers, and there was a steady buzz of conversation. Everyone seemed to be buying gooey, buttery cinnamon rolls the size of Alden's head, and he was trying not to resent them for it. It's no biggie. 
My GPA's so bloated from all the advanced classes they'd have to fail me for a week straight before I even noticed. Bo tossed his ugly knitted scarf and a new, even uglier, knitted hat onto the table. Well, if we're both cutting should we call Jeremy? He'll feel left out. No, Bo said. He actually has parents who care about what he does. It'll upset them if we turn him into a truant. That was depressingly true. Aunt Connie was Aunt Connie. If Alden dropped out of high school, she would be upset, but it would probably take her several weeks to notice it had happened. And Bo's parents were chronically checked out. Alden had only been over to his house a few times when they were younger. And his father and mother had just sat staring at the TV for hours on end. Twelve-year-old Bo was the one who usually cooked meals and cleaned the house. It was an uncomfortable dynamic. On the other hand, Jeremy's parents weren't quite helicopters, but they did regular family pancake breakfasts and came to take pictures of him and his older sister at every school event. This place has a nice vibe, Bo noted as he sat down with a coffee. Hipster, but everyone's minding their own business. We should be good to talk here if we keep it quiet. So you got Shenner, then? What rank? Alden frowned at him. You know, I wasn't expecting you to be amazed or anything. But, you're being weirdly nonchalant about this. Except for the fact that you're apparently worried about phone tapping like we're in a spy movie. Bo shoved his glasses up on his nose, and then, in a deadpan voice, he said, Oh my god, Alden, you're the chosen one. Can I have your autograph to show my grandchildren one day? Geez, I should have told Jeremy first. You're such a buzzkill. Bo rolled his eyes. But, in a slightly apologetic tone, he added, You're right. Sorry I'm the rain at the parade. It's just that I am surprised, and I don't deal with sudden changes well. And I'm a little pissed that you're probably going to run off to superhero land and leave me behind here. He smiled bitterly. I don't know if you've noticed but I'm not great at making new friends. Alden squirmed in his seat. It's not like we'll never see each other again. I'll call and bother you all the time. You'll get sick of hearing from me. Everyone says things like that, but it never works out in the end. Bo stared down at the coils of his scarf and cleared his throat. Anyway, you have to give me the details. I'll have you know that my own childhood superhero obsession was epic, embarrassing, and not that long ago. You can't just keep all the good parts to yourself. Alden smiled. Well, like all the best origin stories, mine started in the bathroom of a public high school. They talked quietly until the bakery people started glaring at them for taking up a table. Then, they moved their conversation to the streets. So you woke up early enough to steal Shenna right out from under the nose of some jerk in North Dakota. Nice. And lucky. Maybe lucky enough to make up for your shitty ranking. Stop calling it that. It's top 15%. It's solid. Solid if you wanted to be something normal. But you want to be an unpopular type of superhero. You've already limited your options a lot by deciding on that. Major cities don't pay for solo sidekicks, and they aren't big on paying for pre-made pairs or teams. 
throw the B-rank in, and you just look like a PR nightmare. Rude. Honest. Governments are cowards. They don't like new ideas. The state of Illinois may have said it supported Hannah Elber and Arjun Thomas after the drainer incident, but it's totally why they were fired when their contracts came up for renewal. You know that. And they were an A and an S, B rank is going to be hard. You're lucky the Polish guy was trying to offload the class fast without alienating anyone. Yeah. You don't think Schenner's too much of a double-edged sword, though, do you? I don't want to get to Anasadora in a few months, register at a new school, and find out that all the island kids hate my guts because I sold the class to their ancestral enemies. Nah, said Bo, slapping the button for the crosswalk they were waiting at. That won't happen. You sound confident. It's because I'm smart. I know things. About superhuman politics? Alden said doubtfully. Well, some. I'm not an expert, but I know Bedlam Beldam is a big supporter of the Velra family. A lot of people are. It's all very dramatic. Like a superhero soap opera. They've got just as many friends as they do enemies. So only half of your new schoolmates will hate you. 60% of them tops. Comforting. And this Andre guy's suggestion that you play dumb about it isn't bad, right? Maybe you can pull off a miracle and sell it to one faction before the other one gets around to throwing their hat in the ring. They can't complain if they think you're a clueless outsider who didn't even know they wanted it. Alden frowned. That sounds really hard to navigate. But yeah, it would be ideal. Bo side-eyed him. Then, with a sigh, he said, listen, I know you'll want to take this the wrong way, but try to be open-minded. You do realize you can just not play the game, don't you? You haven't registered. And since I stopped you from shouting that you were in avowed over the phone earlier. Wow, you really were worried about spies. What? You think there isn't something scanning our calls for keywords? Alden honestly didn't know. I guess it's better to be safe than sorry. Right. As I was saying, you've only given your name to one person. And he probably won't even notice if you don't show up on Anasidora. He'll just assume you're in different academies. You could trade Shenner for some quiet little class, stay here in Chicago, and grow up to be an elementary school teacher. An elementary school teacher? Alden had respect for the job, but it had never featured on any of his to-do lists. Where'd you get that from? I think it suits you, Bo said seriously. And you'd still have superpowers. You could take Audio Brute. I bet it'd fix your tinnitus. And you'd be a total pro at overhearing kids gossiping in your class. They'd think you were psychic. Bo. You'd probably hardly ever get summoned, so you wouldn't be found out. What's the downside? Alden stopped walking. Bo did, too, but he wasn't quite meeting Alden's eyes. Gorgon said the same thing, Alden said, about maybe not registering. Ha! Huh. Did he really? Well, that's because it's not a bad idea. Alden wished, not for the first time since he'd been selected, that his dreams of being a superhero had included a little less fantasy and a lot more reality. 
Maybe then he would know how to answer his friend, and how to handle the uncertainty inside him that was gradually turning into fear. If I make a mistake here, I'm screwing up my whole life. He shivered, and it had nothing to do with the temperature. He'd enjoyed the distraction of focusing on the class trade. But now Bo had casually pointed out that even that wasn't a safe zone. If Alden made his presence too well known through the trades, people might get curious about him. They might look him up. He couldn't have that if he planned to be an avowed in hiding. And if I did intend to be an illegal superhuman, I really would need a quiet little class. Alden's self-control was okay, but it probably wasn't good enough to last a lifetime. If he had awesome powers, he was going to slip up and use them eventually. And if his physical stats were high enough, then even something unavoidable, like being involved in an accident, would out him. People tended to notice if you got hit by a bus, and the vehicle came away from it with injuries worse than your own. He and Bo stood together, while early morning traffic rushed past on the street beside them, for a long time. Finally, Alden had an answer. I think I would regret it. Bo shoved his hands into his pocket and looked up at the sky. Which part? The part where one day I'm watching the news and I see that some eight-year-old kid just lost their parents in a villain attack. And I wonder if maybe in some small way it was my fault. Because I was supposed to be there, but I was too afraid to try for it. Alden exhaled sharply, his breath fogging in the cold. Yeah, he added. I think I would regret it a lot. Bo had never been a warm and fuzzy sort of person. If anything, he'd ranged from robotic to ill-tempered when Alden had first met him. It was only time that had brought out a few of his more human qualities. He was loyal, sarcastic, funny. But for some reason it was only now, as Alden watched his friend's face twist into a forced smile, that he realized he had never once seen Bo look sad. And he did look so sad, nearly devastated. For a second, it was like a cloud had passed between the two of them and the early morning sun. Then the look was gone just as suddenly as it had come. I guess I shouldn't have expected anything different from you, Bo groaned. He gave Alden a light punch on the arm. You're such a noble doofus for an otherwise smart guy. I honestly think you'd probably feed me the same line if you were a useless freaking F-rank. I wouldn't, Alden said, still feeling off-footed by the strangely dark moment. I'm not suicidal. Sure you're not. Anyway, since you seem to be committed to playing superhero, let's get to the consulate. I want to see the magic table. Gorgon says you won't be able to access it. It's still a magic table. How many chances am I going to get in my life to disrespect an important Artanan artifact? Wow. Okay. No. If you break the table, Gorgon's supervisor will come for me, and she apparently consorts with demons. Sounds hot. Gross, you perv. Bo laughed. Anyway, what was your special clue? What? From the demon you consort with. You said you thought he was giving you a hint about what class you should choose. That should be your number one priority. Classes are way less figured out than everyone likes to think. 
If an Artanan prisoner was setting himself on fire to give me hints, I'd run with them. Let me take your luggage. Alden had the pleasure of seeing Bo look just as baffled as he had been the night before. Huh, he asked. Let me take your luggage. Bo's nose wrinkled. Oh, that's the clue? My best guess is that he had to be vague. I think maybe it's a metaphor. I bet it's an anagram, Bo mused. You just want it to be an anagram because you like puzzles. Eulogy. Metal Gager. A.K. I'm sorry, said Alden. Are we speaking in tongues now? Shut up. It's a really good solve for first thing in the morning. Clearly eulogy is about Hannah's funeral tomorrow. Afterwards, you're supposed to travel to Alaska and gauge your metal. Duh. Alden laughed. Rogue Eagle Amulet? Bo muttered as he squinted into the distance. No, that's not it. I can't make anything with the remaining letters. You're literally making the sentence more obscure, man. I was hoping you'd help me simplify the problem, not. Bo was a few steps ahead before he realized Alden wasn't keeping pace with him anymore. He turned back. You coming? Alden gave himself a shake and hurried to catch up. I just realized, what if I've been putting too much thought into it, too? What if Gorgon was actually keeping it really simple for the dumb human? What if it's a spell name? Or a skill? Bo's eyebrows lifted. Well, yeah, that would make it way easier. Some classes do have eccentric talent names. Full sentences are less common, but they're a thing. Right? Alden was getting excited now. There's an adjuster spell called Hold My Hand Until Sunset. It was an unpopular capture spell that magically glued your hand to your targets. How romantic, Bo said dryly. But then, with a bit more enthusiasm, he added, Beldum has a passive called Cats Are Better in Nines. See, I bet I'm right. I've never heard of one called Let Me Get Your Luggage, though. Me either. And the sentence names are memorable. Since we don't know it, it's probably not often used. Which would mean it could only belong to one of the classes that gets a stupidly long skill or spell list. People still haven't tried out everything on the adjuster spell list, Alden said hopefully. So maybe? I think you'd have read about it if it was an adjuster spell, you mage geek, Bo replied. If it was a B-rank-specific one you might have missed it, but it could be right? They get so many skills to choose from they say their list looks like the Oxford English. That one S-rank spent two years trying to pick the best one from it when she hit level 10, and nobody thought it was a waste of time. Yeah, Alden frowned. If we're on the right track, it would most likely be right or one of the rares. The other major classes have fairly narrow lists at B-rank. Shapers a maybe, but it doesn't sound anything like one of their skills. It's not Shaper. Bo's tone was dismissive. Their stuff is all kind of obvious as far as system naming goes. If anything, it sounds like it might be a... A what? Bo suddenly grabbed onto the sleeve of Alden's coat and stopped walking. Is that who I think it is? he asked quietly, staring ahead of them. There were quite a few people on the sidewalk. 
Alden scanned them, looking for someone suspicious, but before he could identify the problem, Bo hissed. The man across the street from the consulate. The one trying to look normal while he stands around in board shorts in February. Alden finally spotted the board short wearer. Oh, my gosh. It's Skiff. The water-shaping superhero looked out of place here in a business district, wearing street clothes. Well, mostly wearing street clothes. The swim trunks didn't really go with Skiff's puffer jacket. Shush, fanboy. Take my hat. Before Alden could ask why he should do that, his friend had shoved the hideous stocking hat onto his head. So, said Bo in a conversational voice as he yanked off his scarf and wrapped it around the entire lower half of Alden's face. Maybe we're not as smart as we think we are. You said the trading interface listed locations, and I didn't think anything of it. And I guess you didn't either. Behind his new muffler, Alden frowned. Yeah, but IDs are private. Sure, only they're not very, are they? To find out who someone is in real life, you just have to go to the consulate they were trading from and wait for a teenager to appear during regular school hours. Alden's eyes widened. Crap. He hadn't realized how valuable Shenner was to certain parties when he'd left this morning. He'd have taken the listing down if he'd known. He hadn't authorized Autotrade, of course, but his information was there for anyone to see. Advertising was the whole point of the platform. It had never occurred to him that he shouldn't do it. But ve canf do vad, he protested around a mouthful of wool as Bo tightened the scarf. Wa bode my privify. Even in an ideal world, your civilian right to privacy is only good for the next three months, Bo said quietly, stepping back. In reality? You get it, right? Alden did. He didn't like it, but he did. It would only take a phone call. Once someone from Anasidora had seen the listing, whether they were for or against the Velra family, they could just call up one of their friends on the Chicago Hero team and ask them to run down and have a look at the consulate. See if any likely young people strolled in at an odd hour. Follow them home. Find out who they are. Kill them in their sleep. Okay. That last was ridiculous. Probably whichever faction they belonged to, all they'd really want was to give Alden lots of nice stuff in exchange for Shenner. Which would have been great, except for the fact that he didn't just want nice stuff. He wanted nice stuff without becoming involved in superhuman politics. Even Gorgon couldn't keep him out of it. Bribery and social pressure were apparently fine with the Artanans. The alien would only be allowed to step in if people were threatening or mind-controlling him. New plan, said Bo, still speaking quietly. We walk right past the aquatic idiot and head for the bus stop. Even if your nemesis in North Dakota happens to work for someone on the island and he described you to them, you don't have any noteworthy features that'll stand out when you're bundled up in winter wear. We should be good. Alden hadn't considered that B-74 might have ratted him out. But it was possible at least. He did live in the Dakota Zone, so he was connected to the avowed community if not the island itself. Left go, said Alden. He coughed and worked his lips until they were mostly free of the scarf. 
We'll catch Skiff's attention if we stand here too long. Quit turning around to look out the back window, Alden. You're not going to see an A-rank shaper chasing the bus down the street in his swim trunks. I didn't think I was, Alden lied as he spun back around in his seat. I'm just making sure we made a clean getaway. We did. I told you. He didn't even glance at us. I think he was playing Sweet Smasher on his phone. I couldn't use my peripheral vision because someone mummified me with wool. Well, mine worked fine. You're in the clear for now. Alden grumbled, but he did his best to let himself relax. I didn't expect it to be like this. So chaotic. I wanted time to think and plan. Bo slouched down and wedged his feet against the back of the seat in front of him. He pulled out his own cell and started typing. It's exciting being a superhuman, right? You were only chosen 19 hours ago? And you've already made a pal in Poland, discovered the consulate's secret basement level, and possibly sparked a minor political war between Anisidora's social elite. Alden snorted. Imagine what I'll do next week. Hopefully you'll have quietly acquired your final class by then, I'll fix it, and be in the middle of learning how to use your new powers. You need to get at least a little prepped before you dive into the Anisidoran shark tank. Any other outcome means you've screwed up. Alden raised an eyebrow at him. How do you figure? Even if I find out what Gorgon meant, it'll probably take me a while to get my hands on the specific class. And then I don't have to affix it right away. I could still hang around on the trading platform in case something amazing came along. More amazing than Shenner? The class that has you looking over your shoulder for a legit superhero tale? Or more amazing than a class recommended for you, specifically, by a powerful alien being you've spent the last few months befriending? Well, MMM, Bo said, his lips pursing. So you're still hung up on adjuster. Guess I'm transparent. It's the obvious choice for what I want to do. You mean it's the class Hannah had? There was no judgment in Bo's voice, but Alden felt defensive anyway. It's not just that. Bo set aside his phone and glanced out the smudged window. I know. Adjuster's easy. It's one of the most complex classes to master. Don't fly off the handle. I mean it's easy for you. Emotionally. It's the one you know the best. You like tons of things about it. It excites you. And you actually have a real life, extremely personal example of someone using it in a way you admire. If the system had given you a juster yesterday afternoon, you'd have affixed it before you left that bathroom stall. Alden couldn't argue with that. He probably would have. Adjuster's not scary for you, Bo continued. You're a shitty B-rank and that makes your future even harder to grasp. So it's probably the only class you feel sure won't be garbage. B's not shitty, Alden muttered again. But his heart wasn't in it. He'd been so wrapped up in new experiences that he hadn't analyzed his own feelings very well. And now that Bo had done it for him, you're right, I guess. I wanted to be an S or A rank adjuster. I know that's lame to admit, 
But it's the only thing I really imagined for the whole superhero daydream. He sighed. Right now, it feels like I'm scrabbling at the edge of what I want. If I could just get my hands on adjuster, part of me thinks I would finally be standing on solid ground. You can have it if you want it. Maybe. If I sell Shenner to the Velras or their enemies, I could probably get enough money to pay off any adjusters who want to trade. But there might not be any even then. He was interrupted by the sound of Bo laughing at him. Is my suffering amusing to you, he said, put out. No, but your total lack of business acumen is. Are you serious? Alden, they sent a freaking superhero to find you. Within a couple of hours. Even though I knew a little bit about the situation, I would never have guessed it was that important to them. But now that I do. Bo crossed his arms over his stomach and smiled up at the bus's grimy ceiling. You're not going to trade Shenner for money and then sit around hoping you'll be able to buy your dream class with it. You're going to tell someone what class you want, and then they will fetch it for you like a golden retriever. Alden blinked. That can't be right. We're talking about powerful, rich avowed. Ones who've managed to maintain an iron grip on an ultra-rare class despite other powerful, rich avowed trying to stop them. As long as you don't ask for something impossible, then I bet they've got the budget for it. And the resources to lay their hands on it. It's what they do for their own kids. They can do it for you, too. So you think I should give it to the Velras? Bo shrugged. I don't really care about which side of that little spat wins. Do you? Nah, Alden admitted. It's like trying to pick a team when you don't even understand what sport they're playing. I just want them to not ruin my life after the fact. You could sneak past Skiff into the consulate when it's busy, or even better. Head to the consulate in New York where there probably isn't a super waiting to pull you aside and give you a speech about his faction's noble cause or whatever. Slap Shenner up to auto-trade in exchange for your pick and then vanish. Let them, or even some lucky selectee off the street, race to give you what you want first. That sounds perfect, Alden admitted. Can you request a bonus with the auto-trade though? You didn't mention it. Alden shook his head. No, it's just for classes. People always ask for, or offer, money separately. In their notes section. It's probably something you'd have to make legally binding outside the trading platform. And then you get online and do the trade. That's a problem then, Bo said. I don't need money on top of a specific class. His friend gave him a severe look. Last I checked, you rent swimming in cash. Yeah, but I don't have to be. School is paid for on the island, and you have to stay in the dorms the first couple of years anyway. I'll have a little bit from my parents. It'll be fine. It would be way more fine if you didn't sell the extremely valuable thing you're holding for nothing. Being poor sucks. I don't think. What about supplies for your hero work? Alden blinked. He hadn't thought that far ahead. He would be a student first. Working as superhero was still a long way away. You don't even know what you'll need, Bo continued. You might need to buy weapons. Or chemicals. Or an armored vehicle. 
you might get a power that requires some expensive resource to shine. You might. Alden held up a hand. All right, I get it. Some money on top of the class would be better. Then, if I'm not going to be totally neutral, I guess the Velras are the way to go? They're the perennial champs as far as I can tell. And you'd think they'd have a pretty decent non-disclosure agreement for the people who help them out, or whatever the Anasidoran equivalent is. As long as you trade it to them quickly, before other parties have the chance to tell you not to, you might still be able to feign innocence. I bet they'll keep their mouths shut. Bo seemed to be in high spirits now, apparently lifted by the thought of Alden bossing around an elite family of avowed for even the briefest period of time. So, he said cheerfully, all you have to do is decide, do you want your hunting dogs to get you a jester? Or do you want them to get you whatever Gorgon recommended? Do I have to pick? Afraid so, unless you want to say, to hell with it, and affix Shenna right now. Just think, you could have new, uber-rich adoptive parents by nightfall, whether you want them or not. That's terrifying. Alden contemplated the pattern on the bus seats while he tried to sort himself out. When Bo put it like this, it really was an either-or situation. Did Alden trust his own knowledge more than Gorgon's advice? The alien knew what he wanted to do. They'd talked about battlefield support. Gorgon had said that they weren't real friends, but that he was fond of Alden and wished him well. They'd done the mysterious blood thing. And while Alden knew Gorgon wasn't all-knowing, he was probably more knowing than most humans. I guess I'd have to go with Gorgon's suggestion. If we can even figure out what it is. You guess? Ugh. Fine. I'm sure. Gorgon is frying his skin off for me. I trust him, and I don't have to be married to a jester. I can leave it behind if I have to. Well, brace yourself for a rocky divorce, Bo said merrily. The desk demon's idea of a great class for a future superhero is pretty far outside the norm. Alden stared at him. That's what I was looking up on my cell a minute ago. Bo lifted the phone from his lap. I was wrong about the anagrams. And you were right. He was trying to make it easy for you. Let me take your luggage is a skill from one of those classes that gets to choose from a bajillion of them. Oh my god. Which one? Alden asked, sitting up straighter. His heart was starting to race. You know that movie where the girl gets a job as a personal assistant to a megalomaniacal fashion magazine editor? And her boss tortures her, but it's all right because she gets to wear great clothes? Bo, now's not the time? Have you ever imagined what that chick's life would have been like if she had millions of evil bosses, and they could all summon her by snapping their fingers? Bo. Alden snatched the phone away from him and stared at the screen. Bo had pulled up a skill list. It was massive. Alden recognized nothing on it, and he had to scroll for a comically long time to get to the top of the page and read the class name. When he finally managed to, he stared at it in shock. Bo leaned over and patted him on the arm. Congrats, man. It's rare and popular. You're lucky the Velras are the ones who'll have to nab it for you. Alden couldn't pull his eyes away from the screen, 
but he knew from Bo's voice that his friend was wearing an evil grin. I mean, it's also the very definition of a non-combat class since the Artanans created it because they wanted magical housekeepers and secretaries. But I hear the pay is fantastic. What the hell? Alden whispered. Glaring at him from the top of the screen in poorly chosen bubble font were the words skill list, B-rank, class, rabbit. 18. Interlude, rabbit. Interlude. Rabbit. All right, y'all, said Miss Jensen, smiling as she took in the class full of over-energized second graders. I'm sorry about recess, but I can't turn off the rain for you. We'll have read-aloud time and play some games afterward. How does that sound? Boring, one boy shouted, rocking back and forth so hard his desk clacked against the floor. Good, a few kids said, their eyes already on the stack of board games in one corner of the classroom. Yes, ma'am, the class's goody two-shoes replied, clasping her hands primly in her lap. From his seat behind the girl, Alden Thorne raised his hand, stretching for the ceiling. Thank you for sitting so politely in your seat, Alden. Did you have a question? Can you read from the book about superheroes, he asked quickly. No, I want the dragon book, another boy protested. I want. Ms. Jensen held her hand up for silence. When the children finally calmed down, she said, I think Alden should get to choose since he asked first. And since his family will be leaving Nashville soon to head to Chicago. Doesn't that sound fair? A few people grumbled, but not many. Superheroes weren't a bad choice, as far as rainy day reading material went. The teacher pulled the familiar book out from under a stack of papers on her desk and took her seat at the front of the room. Okay, who remembers which class of avowed we read about last time? Meister, the girl sitting in front of Alden, said promptly. Alden lowered his hand in disappointment. That's right, Clara. So, let's see, oh, today's class is one of the rares. Isn't that exciting? Who knows what a rabbit does? My daddy says they're rich. My daddy says they're cowards. You're wrong, Clara said in an uncharacteristic shout. That's a bad thing to call any of the avowed. They're brave, and they fight demons and bad guys for us. And my mama says only desants say mean things about them because they're jealous not everyone gets powers. The whole class had started whispering. Ms. Jensen's smile was getting thinner by the second. Settle down, she called. Remember that conversation we've had a few times this year? About how we will try to think our own thoughts in class and not only repeat what we've heard from others? Clara gasped. But that doesn't mean our parents, does it? The teacher cleared her throat. Let's all learn from this nice book, she said. And not talk about things like dissidents anymore. Before anyone could protest, she started reading. From a children's encyclopedia of the avowed. Interviews with real superhumans in every chapter. You've probably heard of the classes we've talked about so far, but have you ever heard of a rabbit? No, not the cute and cuddly animal you might have for a pet. Rabbit is a funny-sounding name for an avowed class that is just as serious and important as all the others in this book.
Rabbits offer their service to make Earth and Artona better places, just like all the other superhumans here. The interdimensional warriors contract isn't just for people who fight villains here on Earth, and wherever else they might be called to by our Artonan friends. We've already met some healers. Let's learn about another class that does special work away from the dangers of the battlefield. But first, where did the name Rabbit come from? To answer that question, we've asked Honorable Tykrol, a biologist from Artona II, to explain. The Rybeet is a small flying reptile native to Artona III. It was domesticated more than 20,000 years ago, and it has since become a popular companion animal throughout the Triplanets and on many of our resource worlds. The Rybeet is known for being swift, clever, and easily trained. Many Artanan children enjoy using their pet Rybeets to send gifts and messages to their friends. Though normally it is unacceptable to call sentient beings by animal names, the Rybeet is so beloved that it has become common practice to refer to particularly helpful children or useful junior members of business organizations as Little Rybeets. The Rybeet class exists on every Artanan resource world. Humans who are chosen as Rybeets usually use their skills to work as assistants and errand runners on the Triplanets. Their powers might not be as flashy as a superhero's, but they are summoned to help out the Artanans more often than any other class. When the system first came to Earth in 1963, the word Rybeet and the way members of the class are prone to disappearing in a flash when they're summoned made English speakers think of rabbits. The name quickly entered common use and the system adjusted it to accommodate human preferences. Now, our friendly interviewer Stephen will talk to A-rank rabbit Miriam Musa about this interesting class. Stephen, hi, Ms. Musa. Our young readers would love to know more about you and rabbits in general. How long have you been a rabbit? Miriam, I was chosen 17 years ago. S. What are some good things about the class? M. If you select a valuable skill, you get summoned more than other superhumans. Rabbits do a wide variety of different jobs, and they usually receive our gold for their services. S. That's the system currency. So, are rabbits rich? M. Well, the ones who select a good skill. Not all of them. S. Is the money your favorite thing about being a rabbit? M. No. I like my starter skill the best. S. What kind of skill is it, Ms. Musa? M. I fold napkins into decorative shapes. When I first became an avowed, I could only manage a few, but now I can do hundreds of them per hour. S. What an unusual skill. Are most rabbit skills like that? M. I don't know about every skill. But skills like mine are interesting because they can help you do complicated things very quickly. S. I guess you use your powers to help at important parties and banquets on the Triplanets? M. That's one of the things I'm often summoned for. S. So you're like a party planner. That is a fun job. M. No. I don't plan things. I just fold. S. Some of our readers may not realize how important that is, but the Artanans greatly value beauty. I'm sure they appreciate your skill very much. M. People don't understand because they don't think about it. 
Not really. There's a lot that goes into folding a napkin. S. I bet. Well, thank you for your time, Ms. Musa. I'm sure many children will want to become a rabbit after reading our interview. In Ms. Jensen's classroom, the second graders had all fallen silent. Most of them had looks of consternation on their faces. A few were smiling uncertainly, as if they thought their teacher might have told them a joke, but they weren't quite confident enough to laugh about it. Clara raised her hand. Can't, can't regular people fold napkins into pretty shapes? They can, another girl said confidently. I went on a cruise and the napkins were all folded. They don't need superpowers for that. But the rabbit lady is rich. That's good, a boy said. I want to be rich. My daddy is rich. I want to be a superhero who shoots fire out of my face. Alden raised his hand. Closing the book, Ms. Jensen smiled at him. Everyone please notice how Alden and Clara raise their hands. Yes, Alden? Did you like the interview with Ms. Musa? I'm confused, he said. Why do the Artinans need somebody to fold napkins for them? Can't they do it themselves? Well, Ms. Jensen tucked her hair behind her ears and bit her lip, apparently thinking about the question. I know everyone is very excited about superpowers. When we see a brave hero protecting us from bad people or we hear about them saving someone from a disaster, all of our attention is on them. But the world needs all kinds of helpers, doesn't it? Clara raised her hand again. Yes, Clara? Last week you taught us about want and need, she said proudly. Want and need are different. That's true, but... Pretty napkins is a want, isn't it? It is, one of her friends agreed. I think so, too. Maybe it's a need if it's for a wedding? My cousin's getting married. I'm going to be the flower girl. Artnans have weddings, too. My mama says sometimes they have three brides and grooms at a time. That's bad. No, it's not. Three's my favorite number. All right, y'all. I think we're getting a little bit off track. Let's all take a minute to think of good things Rabbit Avowed can do for the world. Whoever comes up with the best answer will get a new pencil from the pencil box. This challenge earned Ms. Jensen a few blissful minutes of quiet while everyone wrote down their best guesses. Alden, who had no knowledge of rabbits beyond what he had just learned, answered that they could probably fold lots of towels for hotels. Which would be good for the hotels, since if you didn't fold the towels your guests would hate you. Clara won because she knew that there was a rabbit on the Anasiderin High Council, and he helped to make important laws for superhumans on the island. Laws are a need, not a want, she announced righteously as she marched back to her desk with her prize pencil. It's not fair, Alden muttered. Lawmaking didn't have anything to do with the rabbit's superpower, which was the whole point of the assignment in his opinion. Rabbits are dumb. Who would ever want to be one of those? 19. Teleport Alden, stop typing, what are rabbits good for, into the search bar. It's getting a little pathetic. I'll stop typing it in when the answer stops being nothing. 
What about that S-rank who used his floor polishing skill to create an iceless skating rink on the island? You said it was neat. I know. It's cool. And I'm not dumb. I see that the power has much wider applications than you'd notice at first glance. But it's also his only skill. He's 25. He's an S. It's his only one. What the hell, Bo? Bo shrugged and threw a gum wrapper at Jeremy, who was standing by Alden's bedroom window staring at them both with a stupefied look on his face. Maybe S isn't as all-powerful as people make it out to be, Bo said. Anyway, rabbits have a soft restriction on receiving talents as quest rewards, right? They have to level if they want skills and spells. That guy didn't. He's just lazy. Doesn't mean anything. But, Alden, how did you become an avowed? Jeremy said for the fifth time that afternoon. They'd asked him to meet them at Alden's place after school and told him everything. Unlike Bo, he was not processing the situation well. You broke him, Alden. He's lost his entire vocabulary except for that one question. Jeremy, Alden said, clicking on the twelfth page of search results. Sit down, man. Bo will explain it to you. Why me? Alden gestured at his computer. I'm busy. Once you go past the third page of results you're not busy, said Bo. You're panicking. No, I'm not. He was. He'd already decided to go through with it. He trusted Gorgon. He knew he was going to do it. But at the same time, there was a voice in his head screaming, I don't want to be a rabbit. They're lame and stupid and boring. They're not heroes, they're napkin folders. And though he'd been trying for hours, Alden couldn't find a single piece of information that would make his inner second grader even a little bit happier. We'll be rich. Isn't that nice, he muttered. Great. Now you've broken yourself. Are you using the royal we? I'm giving my inner brat a pep talk. It's a private conversation. But it didn't work. Even the wealth rabbits were famous for wasn't a guarantee. They were summoned to the Triplanets a couple of times a month if they had normal luck. When they were there, they usually performed a small magical task their skill was uniquely suited for. They finished up in a few hours and bounced back to Earth with a decent amount of our gold in their account. Translated into dollars, the average annual rabbit salary was around half a million. For almost zero work. But that was the average. The Artinans weren't obligated to summon anyone. Plenty of rabbits were flat broke. Maybe Alden would be one of them. People had barely scratched the surface of the skill lists for rabbit. And of course the basic descriptions that were provided pre-affixation were as vague as they were for most classes. The smart thing to do was choose one of the starter skills that had already been safely trailblazed for you by an older rabbit. There were about 30 that were generally agreed to be sure bets, and the vast majority of people picked them these days. After all, if you wanted to live dangerously you'd trade into a different class. Everyone's going to think I'm a bum? Alden groaned as he clicked through the social media account of a 17-year-old A-ranker rabbit, who was famous for declaring herself retired before she'd graduated high school. And what's with this skill? Nobody's ever picked it before. 
Did you guys see the description? Whatever generous B-Rank had taken the time to type up the entire rabbit skill list deserved a standing ovation. It must have taken hours. And there, right in the middle of it, was Gorgon's recommendation. Let me take your luggage, Rank B. The rabbit carries an item that has been entrusted to them. The system's such a jerk. What does this even do? Does it make you stronger? Does it boost stamina? Does it give you an extra set of arms so you can hold more bags? Alden slapped the laptop shut in frustration. That last one would be hilarious, Bo said with a snicker. He was sitting on the floor by the bed, flipping through a stack of old magazines he'd taken from the enormous pile Aunt Connie kept in the living room. Beside him, Jeremy had finally recovered enough to give a shaky laugh. How would he buy shirts? He'll have M Custom tailored with all his Argold. Maybe he could buy them from Wardrobe? Alden smiled and groaned. Don't remind me about Wardrobe. It's such a bizarro perk. Hey, it's pretty sweet to have easy access to armor, said Bo. Nobody else gets that except for a few of the hardcore battle subclasses. And even they don't get it before leveling. Armor? I think you mean alien cosplay. And have you seen what they cost? That's why you're asking for money up front in addition to the class. And the clothes in the wardrobe do increase stats. That makes them armor. Jeremy blinked oilishly up at Alden. Are you really going to pick rabbit? You don't seem like a rabbit to me. Thanks, Jeremy. And yeah, Bo accused me of being a coward earlier today. I said you were clinging to a juster out of fear, not that you were fundamentally a coward. So I'm going to prove him wrong by bravely choosing Rabbit, Alden said, ignoring Bo and holding a hand to his chest in what he hoped was a mock heroic pose, a class well known for its valor. Well, you have to get it first, Mr. Bravery. Stop agonizing and compose your letter to the Velras. Make it good. Quick question, Jeremy said. Did you two try emailing them? The letter's going to be awesome, but if Alden wants an answer fast. It was silly, but Alden was comforted by the fact that they were both acting like sending the letter was a group project. He'd been worried that telling them he'd been selected would create an insurmountable gap in their friendship. It was hard, knowing he'd see so much less of them in the future. Bo's right. It's never the same when someone moves away. But for now, they had business to attend to. He turned to Jeremy. I actually tried a system call, but it told me I was unauthorized. And we can't find a way to contact them quickly online. We wanted to send an email to Alia Velra. She's the S-rank in charge of the family. But she's kind of a huge deal. She ran for president of the Anasidoran High Council a few years ago. She didn't come close to winning, Bo chimed in. But she's still not someone who lists her personal email address online for any rando in the world to find. And we sent a test email to her public one, but it just gave us an auto-reply, Alden said. She's probably got some overworked PA going through hundreds of messages a day. Since I'm going to go to Anisidora tomorrow anyway. We thought I could try to mail a letter from there to one of the less senior family members. 
It'll be way quicker if I toss it in a mailbox or hire a delivery service on the island itself. It can take ages for mail to get there from the US. I tried to send Hannah a Christmas card once, and it arrived in mid-January. Alden, just write the message, said Bo. Make sure to include all of our demands and all the relevant details. Jeremy, the time has come. Go find scissors and glue sticks. Jeremy jumped up. Why do we need scissors and glue? Alden asked. I was going to type the message and print it out at the library. He'd already bookmarked a page on professional letter writing so he could make sure he formatted it properly. Boo, said Bo. Boring. It's an anonymous note to the leaders of a superhuman faction who are desperately trying to find you. Have you no aesthetic sensibilities? Dude, we're going to make a collage out of words from your aunt's magazines. Jeremy said. He sounded thrilled about it. Alden gaped at them. How had he missed this particular plan developing? What is wrong with you two? No. You want to make the critically important letter out of chopped up magazines? That'll make me look like a serial killer. It'll be funny, said Bo, waving one of the magazines at him. It's hilarious. Jeremy agreed. They find out you exist. They think you're just some random guy in Illinois. They send Skiff after you. He could be working for someone else. And I am just some random guy in Illinois. Jeremy didn't seem to hear him. And the next day, he snapped his fingers. A letter sent from the island shows up on their doorstep that's like, Ha ha, assholes. I know you think you're smarter than me, but you'll never find out who I am. Jeremy beamed and leaned over to give Bo a high five. You idiots. Alden said, but he couldn't keep the laughter out of his voice. That's so ridiculous. Even if the letter's anonymous, they'll still be able to figure out who I am in a few months. Unless there's another B-rank rabbit arriving on the island from Chicago. The Velras will think I'm total lunatic. You have to accept that, Bo said kindly. This is a rare opportunity. You have to do it, Jeremy agreed, bouncing up and down like a kid. No way. Do it. Do it. Not in a million years. It's beautiful, Jeremy breathed. It was three hours later. Alden had paper cuts, and the letter Y was glued to his forehead. His room was covered in a flurry of shredded magazines. But lying on his desk was the professional, polite, and thorough letter he'd written, which took up five pages of paper when it was turned into a creepy kidnapper-esque collage. I should have taken out the part where I requested a magical non-disclosure agreement. It had taken forever to paste in a detailed explanation of why he was asking the Velras to not tell anyone that he had contacted them of his own free will, and it seemed rude. Like he was saying, I want you to help me and give me your money, but also, I want you to make sure people think you took advantage of me, please. In the midst of pondering how that would come across to the powerful family, Alden caught Bo making a surreptitious hand movement. Jeremy, stop him, Alden said tiredly. He's trying to add a postscript again. Jeremy grabbed the back of Bo's t-shirt and yanked. I'm trying to help you, you ingrate. Bo squawked, 
clutching the magazine headline to his chest. Jeremy pried it out of his fingers. He inspected it. This one says, make me a millionaire, sugar. His forehead creased. Your aunt has interesting taste in magazines. She just buys whatever's on the front of the rack in checkout lines. Destroy it. Jeremy wadded it into a ball and threw it in a perfect arc at the trash can. It bounced off a towering heap of paper and fell into the floor with everything else. You're both fools. Bo, we're already asking them for 50,000 our gold. I almost fainted gluing the number in. It's plenty. It was a little more than $150,000. Alden hadn't picked the amount randomly. He'd been researching the prices of things he knew he might want to buy even as a student, and assuming his new rabbit skill wasn't useless, this amount should be enough to set him up with decent starter supplies. Fine, Bospat. Don't accept my wisdom. Starve to death trying to buy decent vegan food on a man-made island that produces no produce. I bet a banana costs like $15. I can't tell them to find rabbit for me, keep my connection to them a secret, and give me an absurd amount of money. It's one thing too many. I want them to help me, not assassinate me. Yeah, Jeremy agreed. Even I think that's a bit much. It's like saying, hey, Veldras, give someone lots of money so that they'll give me the rare class that makes lots of money. Then give me way more money on top of it. Sounds crazy. Your opinion is invalid, rich boy. Alden agrees with me. Alden dreams of fighting crime in tights while carrying other avowed suitcases, apparently. We can't trust him to take care of himself. There will be no tights. Lots of superheroes wear compression stockings for their health, though, Jeremy said in a serious voice. So you might have to. Both Alden and Bo stared at him. I heard it on an infomercial, Jeremy said sincerely. Bo opened his mouth. Judging by his expression, he was going to say something more exasperated than cutting, but he never got the chance. All of the sudden, from the living room, a familiar voice rang out. Alden, you home? I brought pizza. Oh, pizza. Jeremy was out the door in a flash. You can't be too mean to him when I leave, Alden said. Bo sighed. I'll do my best. No way. Your best sucks. Do better than that. See, normally that would hurt my feelings. But right now I can't register the pain through my pity. Alden frowned at him. Bo headed for the door after Jeremy. You haven't told your aunt about your diet, right, he said over his shoulder. Then, grinning, he shouted, MMMM, Connie, the pizza smells awesome. Double sausage like always? You know it, Aunt Connie called back. Alden swore. The guys stayed over all night. They played video games with Aunt Connie, who was predictably enthusiastic about Alden's new diet and insisted on ordering in another, depressingly salad-like pizza to celebrate. Nobody said they were trying to take Alden's mind off of the funeral, but he knew that was what they were doing. And he appreciated the hell out of it. He fell asleep on the sofa sometime after midnight and woke up a few hours later to the smell of more food. Not leftover pizza, 
but actual real food the likes of which their house had virtually never seen. He wandered into the kitchen to find his aunt and Jeremy sitting at the table with scolded expressions on their face, while Bo stood at the stove giving the sizzling pan in front of him a death glare. Are you cooking? Alden asked, twisting his head from side to side to work out a crick in his neck. Maybe, Bo said, squinting at the pan. I'm not sure. Your stove is sketchy. And I've never done tofu before. And Connie put the mashed avocado in here while I wasn't looking, so that's going to be a new experience. But possibly I am making breakfast hash. It smells great. No, that's the coconut bacon. It is great. But Jeremy ate half of it already. I'm in trouble, Jeremy mouthed. Alden's aunt nodded in agreement. Alden smiled. You guys are the best. Your teleport's at ten? Yeah, it'll be even earlier on Anisidora. I should get there a few hours before the service, and then Ms. Zhao's got me porting back late this evening. I think she wanted to give me a chance to hang out and be a tourist for a while if I wanted. It wasn't like anyone had known he'd be moving to the island on a permanent basis in the near future. It was supposed to be his last opportunity to visit anywhere he might have spent time with Hannah. I took your dress shirt to the dry cleaner yesterday, Aunt Connie said. No, she hadn't. At least not the dress shirt that fit him. But it was still a nice gesture. Thanks, Alden said. I appreciate that. They ate together. The hash was good. It probably would have been Great Sans hot avocado goo. Alden found his thoughts kept scattering while the others talked around him. They flitted from Hannah to the day ahead, to the letter in his room, to class selection, to Gorgon, to everything. It had been a wild couple of days. When he focused back on the conversation at the table, he realized Jeremy was complaining about the fact that Bo was still dragging him to their consulate classes for the day, even though Alden wouldn't be there. Hey, will you two take notes for me, he asked, if you don't mind. Normally they didn't bother. Bo didn't need to. Jeremy didn't want to. I kind of feel like I shouldn't miss anything, Alden said, trying to keep it subtle in front of his aunt. Ditching regular classes was one thing, but consulate classes suddenly seemed way more relevant to his life than they had last weekend. I'll do word chains, Jeremy offered. If you're a glutton for punishment, I can record the lecture in Artin and Life, said Bo. You can listen to instructor Pawik talk about irrigation as many times as you like. Thanks, guys. Anyone up for attending my logogram class? Can't, said Bo. We have plans. Both of you do? Together. We made them just now, telepathically, when you asked for such a horrible, horrible favor. Alden spent the rest of the morning going over his schedule for the day, getting dressed, and trying not to fidget with his tie. I wanted to bring up one more thing, said Bo, watching him over the top of a partially destroyed gardening magazine. Jeremy was in the living room vacuuming because he'd dropped a piece of pizza the night before. It wasn't a big deal, since the living room carpet was patterned with mysterious stains, 
but apparently the sanctity of clean flooring had been embedded into his brain by his mother, who was a neat freak. What is it? Alden asked. Nothing too stressful, please. I'm pretty sure my adrenal system is nearing some kind of critical point. Try not to be stressed then. I just wanted to remind you that you can't tell anyone on Anisidora you're one of them. Yet. It's not like I was planning to announce it at the service. I know. But in case it came up and you wanted to share with this Cly person or Arjun Thomas or something, I'm not sure what happens if you tell them. Most of Hannah's friends were Islander kids, right? They might feel like you should register while you're there. With Anisadora, I mean, not the US. I'm not going to tell. But if something slips, it wouldn't be the end of the world, would it? I do plan to register eventually. Bo scratched at a zit on his chin. I think it would be fine. I'm sure they'd let you come back home. But I'm not sure they'd let you come home alone. Alden had only been giving the conversation about a tenth of his attention. But when Bo said that, he suddenly found himself completely focused. What does that mean? So, with S's and A's they kind of get an honor guard once they've affixed and registered. Alden blinked. I think I've heard it mentioned in passing. It's for really high-value classes? No, it's for all of them, Bo said with a shake of his head. They get their own dedicated superhuman to follow them around for 90 days and help them prep for their transition to the island. It's all friendly enough, but if they refuse, they just get a dedicated spy instead. Alden straightened his tie for the thousandth time while he processed that. Oh, he said finally. No cold feet allowed, huh? You get it. I'm not sure it applies to B-Ranks. They don't have limitless resources. But I bet the city could afford to send a few cops to lurk around outside your house at all hours. And that would be a tense way to spend the next few months. All right. My lips are even more sealed than they were before. I'd like to have some time to figure out how to handle Rabbit without people hiding in the bushes around the house watching me. Good, said Bo. Your teleport's in ten. How does it work? I get a call from the system on my phone. There's a countdown, then a nasty feeling like you're about to vomit, and then you blink and you're in a travel center on Anisadora. Fun. To Alden's surprise, he sounded sincere. Yeah, it is. Pukey feeling aside. It's cool. He grinned. Maybe I'll get a teleportation skill one day. Bo rolled his eyes. I'm glad your penchant for dreaming is intact, you lowly B-rank rabbit. Alden's phone never rang with a call from the system. Instead, the interface blossomed to life in front of his eyes a minute before he was due to leave. A local teleportation instance has been requested. Destination, Anisidora, arrival station F. Time to teleport, 65s. Do you wish to accept teleportation? Yes slash no. It was a relief. He, Jeremy, and Bo had just been sitting around awkwardly, waiting for it to happen. It's a system notice, not my phone. Makes sense. I wish I could see it, Jeremy groaned. Is it as awesome as I imagine it would be? 
Alden watched the timer tick down. I don't know. It's amazing, but it's also getting normal faster than I would have thought. I guess because it's similar enough to the tech we're already used to. Don't forget our letter. It's literally in my hand right now, Bo. Alden held up the large yellow envelope for emphasis. I meant don't get distracted by Superhero Island and forget to send it. I won't. You two are going to go to class today, aren't you? You're already running late. I'll haul Jeremy there somehow. Tell Gorgon what's up. He probably saw Skiff, but in case he's worried. We'll do it. Just do your thing already. Yeah, said Jeremy, waving his hands in front of Alden like a magician. Vanish. Be gone. Alden agreed to the teleport. A few seconds later, right before Jeremy accidentally poked him in the eye, he felt nauseated. It passed as suddenly as it had come. And just like that, he was on Anisadora, standing inside a phone booth-sized teleportation bay. The arched ceiling over his head was covered in spiraling symbols. In front of him was what looked like a blank metal wall. He only knew it was the door because of prior experience. Welcome to Anisadora, Mr. Thorne, said a female voice through a hidden speaker. I see this isn't your first visit, so you know the drill. Security scan? Yep, said the voice. Do you submit to a scan? If you don't submit to the scan, we can pull you out for an in-person evaluation. The wait time on that is usually half an hour. The scan's fine. Please hold still. This will only take a few seconds. Alden held still. This thing can't tell I'm a selectee, can it? The question sent a flash of panic through him. He'd always thought of the process as going through a glorified metal detector, so he'd agreed without a second thought. He opened his mouth to ask for the in-person evaluation instead, but as soon as he did, the door slid open. You're all clear. Follow the signage to the exit. Have a nice day, Mr. Thorne. 20. An Ordinary Mailbox Relieved, Alden tightened his grip on his envelope and exited the teleportation bay. He stood in a long hallway filled with bays identical to the one he'd just arrived through. People were streaming out of them at regular intervals, many of them dragging small suitcases behind them. Letting a woman in a hijab pass by, Alden took a second to get his bearings then followed a lighted sign on the wall that said some version of way out in five different languages. A couple of minutes later, he'd reached a wide-open atrium full of potted palms in steel planters. A light flashed in the bottom right corner of his vision. When Alden focused his attention on it for a few seconds, the words voice call from Clytem Zhao scrolled upwards from the point of light. Does the system just not see any point in using my cell phone anymore? He wondered if his old messages were available through the interface somehow. He needed to practice with it more. He pulled his phone out of his pocket anyway and held it to his ear so that he wouldn't look like a system user to anyone else. That also means I can't poke around at the air in front of my face. Normal humans don't do that. Accept call, he said quietly. Hey, kid, Hannah's friend said. Her tone was friendly, but a little subdued. I just got a notice for your teleport. 
Are you still in the right number of pieces? I am. Thanks for arranging it for me, Ms. Zhao. Hannah would have wanted you here. There's nothing to thank me for. The service is taking place on the other side of Anisadora from you, in Apex. You've got around three hours to yourself in F-City, and then I'll come pick you up. We'll grab a quick lunch somewhere, if you're in the mood to eat, and head over. How does that sound? It sounds good. Okay. See you, oh, wait. Almost forgot. I put ten Argold under your name in case you wanted to buy anything. Hannah used to do that, right? You know how it works. It's around 40 Canadian dollars. Sorry, I'm not up on the current U.S. conversion. Hannah had always done that. Alden found himself swallowing around an unexpected lump. That's really thoughtful of you. Thanks. No sweat. See you soon. After the call ended, Alden headed over to the atrium's help desk and picked up one of the debit cards that kids and other non-avowed used to pay for things on the island. The man working at the desk confirmed his identity with a thumbprint and loaded Clytem Zhao's money on the card, plus a little of Alden's own he'd brought to pay for stamps or whatever the Anisidoran equivalent was. What's the best way to mail something? Alden asked as they finished up. You mean a postcard, the man said dismissively. You'll have a hard time finding one. We don't have a tourist industry here on Anisadora. Alden had wondered why the guy was so rude when he'd asked for the debit card. He must be one of those Anisadora for Anisidorans types who thought non-avowed shouldn't be allowed to set foot here. Dick. Still, Alden wanted the information. No. I mean where's the nearest post office? I want to mail something to someone on the island. He sighed as though Alden had asked him to perform an impossible task. There's a mailbox on your way out of the building. You can pay with your card. That was convenient. Alden was uncomfortable carrying around a letter that would reveal him as a selectee, and the sooner he got it out of his hands, the better. He found the mailbox near the exit easily enough, but using it turned out to be more of a process than he had anticipated. It was a big hunk of metal, larger than a refrigerator, with a baffling lack of helpful instructions, buttons, or screens. There was just a single cabinet for placing your parcel in, and below it, an etched signature that said, Right work by Inda Juliana. Alden only knew it was a mailbox at all because it was sitting beside a sign that said post drop. He walked around it, looking for somewhere to stick his new debit card, but he couldn't find anything. Is this one of those things that's obvious if you live here? Finally, feeling absurd, he tried talking to the box. Hey, you are for mail, right? Hello, said a metallic voice. It was high and exuberant, like a cartoon character. I am post drop number 1301, a graduation capstone project gifted to F-City by Inda Juliana. Would you like to mail something? Yes, Alden said uncertainly. Great, just place your envelope or parcel in my handy-dandy depository. Please no explosives, delicate electronics, or live animals. Okay, I wanted to confirm that the address is valid, though. 
Alden had an address for a big mansion owned by Olia Velra's son Corin. Bo had found it online, but it still seemed like something he should double-check. No sweat. If your address doesn't match the name of your recipient, I will return your package to you. How do I buy postage? If you're an avowed, just place your hand anywhere on my front panel. I'll connect to your system interface. If you are a minor, a non-avowed resident, or a visitor, please place your Nisi card in my depository with your mail. That's easy enough at least. Alden opened the cabinet and set his envelope inside along with his card. After he closed the door there was a sound like a boiling kettle. All right, I've scanned your delivery. It'll be half an hour gold to send it through standard post. Any additional fees incurred by recipient request for special services will be paid for by the recipient. How does that sound? Alden didn't know what special services might be. Maybe the talking box checked the packages for dangerous materials? If this didn't work for some reason, it wasn't the end of the world. He'd just have to find a slower, less cloak-and-dagger method when he was back home. Maybe blast an email to every Velra he could find an address for and just see who replied first. It sounds good, he told the box. Would you like a receipt? No, thanks. Okie dokie karaoke. I've withdrawn the funds and accepted your envelope. Please take your card back. And have an awesome day. You too? Post drop number 1301 liked to think of itself as Leo. It was a big no-no to think of itself at all according to its creator. But Leo only sort of kind of sometimes cared what she said. Anyway, Leo's life was awesome. It talked to people. It ate mail. Every now and then, it got to read the mail and decide what to do with it. Like now. Corin Velra was on Leo's nice list. Which was officially called the scan priority to system list, but whatever. The important thing was that when someone sent a letter to Corin Velra, Leo got to use Leo's brain. Leo zapped some Argold from nice list Corin's account, split it, and sent part of it to creator and part to the Anasidoran government. Boring. Now for the fun part. Leo examined the envelope someone had just fed it, using its proprietary scanners to analyze the interior. And wowie. Yum. This was the best thing Leo had eaten since that angry human had mailed a manifesto to the High Council. This new thing was so hard to read. Why were the fonts all over the place? Why were there so many ever so slightly different paper types involved? What a challenge. Leo burbled and scanned. It played itself the meditative sound of toilets flushing, recorded from the bathroom next door, to get in the zone. Nice List Corin and a bunch of other Nice List Velras had repersonalized their settings a couple of months ago, and wouldn't you know it? Some of the keywords Leo was supposed to look for were right here in this wacky letter. Is it enough? It thought, scanning hard. We're going for a zero spam week here. And yes. Yes it was. This letter was a good letter. Not as exciting as a death threat, but still, high priority. System, I've got one. Cried Leo. The system was a total loser, though, and it wouldn't respond to unofficial channels most of the time. Seemed to think it was too important to listen to Leo. 
though it had told Leo to shut up and leave it alone once. Best. Day. Ever. Leo used the official channels, now, and the system acknowledged receipt of the letter's contents. Leo waited. And waited. It played itself some more flushes. Finally, it got a ping back. Somebody was coming to pick up the letter in person. It was so high priority they couldn't wait for the mail run. Score. I did good, right? Leo said smugly to the system. Check me out. I'm your favorite postbox, aren't I? Huh? Huh? The system ignored it.